Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, November the 26th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Gobble, gobble. And joining us, uh, filling in for Miss Stephanie Cook, who is seeing an Amanda Palmer concert. This oh, is she jealous? Yes. That's exciting. Um, Mr. Joey Bracino. Hi. Hi, Joey. How are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. Excited for the short week and the holiday. Yeah, you are a teacher, so you have, what, a half day on Wednesday when this is airing, I guess? Yeah, half day on Wednesday. Is it a half day morning half day, or is it a... Yeah, so the, we go in at the, you know, normal time, 7 a.m., and uh, <laughs> we leave at 12 instead of 3. Ooh. All right, nice. Well, the kids do. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> what grade when, do you teach again, Joey? Uh, 10 and 11 this year. Oh, so you guys aren't making any of those, uh, like, turkey handprint uh, construction paper cut <laughs> uh, things? Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Joey has all, all, a ton of them. He just drapes yeah. himself in them. He made a blanket out of them. Uh, you don't turn one in, you don't get And turkey hands. That's what we'll be <laughs> yeah. doing. Nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Joey is... Joey reviewed Wonder Woman number 36 for us, um, uh, for the site. So uh, we wanted to have um, him on to talk about that as well as what we're thankful for in comics, which will be uh, the topic of our show, which probably are a little bit antithetical to one another, those two topics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sorry for anyone who who did enjoy it, but spoiler alert, I don't think any of us liked it. So that's (laughs) the preview for going going forward. There were some Uh, pros. There were some ups. Well, I'm not saying it's going to be all negative. I'm going to go to bat. There's a page that said the end. (laughs) That was pretty good. Um, So before we get into that, we obviously have um, our lightning round and then all of our other books of the week. And then we'll go on, take a break, and do do our topic. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everybody who's listening to this in, in mm-hmm. the states. Um, Canada already had their fake Thanksgiving, whatever it was, <laughs> a month ago, whatever it was. That doesn't really count. Um, so if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving or maybe in line for Black Friday, um, good luck <laughs> with both of those things. <laughs> With family and with uh, crazy, crazy shopping. Right. But Saturday is Small Business Saturday. Is was it? Is next, that what it's called now? Yeah. Is it next Monday is Cyber Monday? I think so. This coming Monday. Monday. Yeah. This coming Monday. The Monday after Black Friday is okay. Cyber Monday. But mm-hmm. really, Cyber Monday now starts like last week because yeah. they start with the deals. Oh. It doesn't matter. Aye. But I know. I think uh, DC is doing a Black Friday thing. Uh, they did their announcements. So you can look that up online. Wow. I think for digital comics and stuff like that. So you're going to get some Black Friday stuff there. I'm not sure if it's anything physical. I'm assuming it's just digital because I'm assuming they don't know how much It should control. be black as night, you would think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you guys can check that out as well. Um, but good luck. And however, had a, how was a happy, happy holiday? Um, I do want to talk about one thing because I didn't talk about it last week and I had a couple of listeners angry at me that I didn't talk about it. Um, I, I tweeted about a podcast a month ago called Serial. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, Joey, you listened to it? 
Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> New episode on Thursday? No, no, not this Thursday. They're taking no, off no, this week. No, no, not Best Buy, though. Best Buy Payphone. Best Buy <laughs> No Best Buy Payphone. Um, so, Serial is a podcast produced by people who make this American life. It, uh, Sarah Koenig, who is one of the reporters there, uh, instead of doing uh, a different story every week, if those people aren't familiar with this American life, mm-hmm. it's they go around, they, they do a topic-based show, and, and they d- dive in deep on a topic one week and then a different topic the next week. Um, and they do it by interviewing and talking to experts and, you know, giving their editorial slant to it. Serial is one story told over however many parts. I don't think she said how many parts. I think it's are, 12. It's going to be 12? Yeah. Um, dealing with one story. And this story happens mm-hmm. to be um, a, a case of uh, a murder case. It was from, what, 1998 or something like that, Joey? 98 or 99. 99 or 99, where a teenage boy was accused of killing and convicted of killing his um, his ex-girlfriend. Hmm. Um, when she, the, ca- the case was brought to her attention, when she looked into it, it seemed like there's a lot of flimsy evidence. So she's been going through it and really just trying to decide whether or not um, that either he's innocent or he's guilty beyond wow. a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and each episode is dealt with um, a particular topic uh in during in the case a witness uh, uh, you know the prosecution's case whatever it might be um it, always coming back to the same themes always hitting back areas and she's learning stuff as she goes along um and I, you know she definitely she definitely has i think she definitely leans towards he didn't do it but she's very good about presenting both sides uh, it is incredibly engaging and amazing um it, it's been kind of my obsession the last is this all weeks. based off of real stuff oh yeah it's, it's, it's real it's, life it's a real life case it's, real, yeah. it's a real life case it's not dramatized nope it's, not okay. at all no not that's at what all. makes it so interesting the fact that so many people are obsessed with it and awesome. there are articles about schools teaching it and teaching oh, wow. like following along with the story and doing evidence boards and all that stuff and mm-hmm. the weird thing that bothers me about that not bothers but like that is like floating in the back of my head is that these are real people yeah and it's a real story and they're, we're kind of treating it like these characters in this mystery it's it's a very mm-hmm. interesting thing to think about it is and I, I find myself listening to it and because you're listening to it in i mean in in, in, a, in a way that's entertaining and a way that's a consumable uh, a block you you start to ascribe I think narrative, yep. uh, you know, tropes to it. Where like, oh, he absolutely didn't do it. The 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 guy who was his friend who knows all the <laughs> yeah. details, but his story is a little bit shifty. He obviously did it. I mean, that's that's what how it goes, and that's not really how the world works, you know. So hmm. it's interesting to go through that stuff and listen to him. And you're absolutely right, Joe. I remember um, th- there's one. This is not. I'm not gonna spoil anything really in it. But there's one key witness in the case. His name is Jay, and <gasps> <laughs> and he is a. Um, Figment, a, a fixture, a, figment, a fixture in the story um, through that the entire first what is it eight weeks of of the, of the show that when it was running. Oh wow! Um, you hear clips of his testimony, you hear clips of his interview, and then episode eight was all about him and they you know trying to talk to him. And I remember people getting excited like it was like oh this is the new episode of Arrow where you know <laughs> or, or there was a Flash where Firestorm's going to be on it like that's what it felt like you know in the lead up to it and you have to step back and like, these this is, these are real people yeah. um but it's it's so in depth and so interesting um and she's such a great uh, host and and kind of through line for it Sarah Koenig mm-hmm. that I, I I just I've been obsessed with it is this unsolved or like if it's if it's, if it's an old case then how do people not know the outcome well he's convicted he's been convicted okay. he's in he, jail he's in jail. He's been jail for 15 years oh wow okay and um, she talks to him in jail like, yeah he gets her she gets hers oh. his side of the story through you know the phone call to the prison 
wow, yeah. that sounds really cool. Absolutely. Well, well, not that he's... <laughs> yeah, I know. No, but it's very interesting. Um, and it's, it's tough because I talk about it the same way. Like, you say cool, but then you're like, oh, wait, it's not really cool because it's someone right. died and there's like, someone yeah. in prison. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to think about, but um, it's, it's fascinating to, to go into the case and for her to deconstruct the case. And mm-hmm. she, when she talks to people who do this for an actual living, there's one of the, the most recent episode, I think, or the episode before that, she talks to someone whose actually job it is to try to debunk bad convictions you know and she asked her flat out like it, is this is this something that you would investigate um and the and it, it the whole thing is just fascinating to see it all coming together right it, it's unbelievable um and it's great journalism it's great to see someone tackling a, a subject you know for that long and it, it's blown up i mean there are millions of people are listening to it at this point which is crazy to me mm-hmm. um but yeah i, I can't recommend mm-hmm. it enough if you're interested at all it sounds interesting to you at all definitely mm-hmm. check it out i think Episode nine just came out uh, last week, and they're taking a week off this week. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I saw a whole mess of people tweeting about it nonstop. Yeah. for a couple of days, there was like I guess that episode where they talked about that guy Jay. Yeah, just there were quotes from it all over the place. <laughs> no frame of yeah. reference. <laughs> but no, it sounds cool. I would check that out. Yeah, it's great. I, every, and a couple people were like, "Oh, you got to talk about it," because now I, you know, I'm hooked on it. So I talked about it. There we go. Cereal, as in S E R I A L, yes. as opposed to you know, Kellogg's. <laughs> yeah, not as the stuff that you eat. <laughs> uh, but it, it's it's great if you like this American Life as well. It's it, it has a similar feeling to it, except it's it's more it dives in deeper on the topic. Um, but enough about cereal. Let's move on to some comic books. Let's move on to a lightning round. Just quick, <laughs> Bob. As oh. always, you're going to lead us off because you have a ton of books to talk about. and oh, It's a small amount this yeah. time around. It's comparatively to last week, yeah. which was an amazing amount of books. <laughs> and you had a minute left, I think, after, the, after it was over. So, all right, Bob, lightning round, go. Okay, we'll start, as usual, with some Avengers stuff. Avengers 38, New Avengers 26. These are two really chatty issues. Lots of palavering, chin-wagging, and wool-gathering. Nice. And you'd think with only two books out this week and one next that there'd be more going on, considering that, you know, time is running out to get this for slugging anything over with. <laughs> Did you see the slogan for, I'm going to pause it so I don't take okay. up your time, the slogan for Secret Wars? No. When everything ends, there only is <laughs> Secret Wars. Oh, my God. Awesome. <laughs> Good. Okay, Storm Number 5, uh, Greg Pak, Victor Banez. Uh, Storm's mission is still to honor Wolverine's memory, and she's out there in Vegas with uh, Yukio, who's trying to become the new crime boss of the world, apparently. And this mission's kind of a success and a failure. uh, But this great first arc so far by Greg Peck, just exploratory, each issue a different aspect of Storm's character, really just enjoying this and great creative team. Harley Quinn number 12, which is really loopy we've got power girl and a team of power girl for some reason having fallen from space on her head is basically an amnesiac so this is the middle chapter of this a lot of fun uh unexpected guest star from the marvel universe for those people who haven't picked this book up yet and there is one thing where the art duties that chad harden who i've been complaining about has now gone to john timms for the bulk of this issue and it's a little posy for my taste and a kind of this Issues a little less than it could have been. Yeah, I saw one panel that I was like, that's a Bob panel. Yeah, there, there's some stuff here that's just, you know, I don't mind the giant pizza alien, <laughs> you know, awesome. that blows up and everything else, but there is sort of lots of this and pouty faces and look, it's it's Power Girl, but enough already. <laughs> anyway, on to, on to better things. The lost episode of Batman 66, number one, it's 10 bucks, which is a, is a bit much, but worth the price of admission. What you have here is an episode that Harlan Ellison pitched to William Dozier all the way back in 66. 
and it didn't get ever made. And it would introduce Two-Face to the TV universe. He retells his origin. It's a great story filled with all sorts of the proper Batman stuff. Lots of binary crimes. It is Two-Face. The, the, the dynamic duo is split up to come after this. Written by Len Wein, art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. You get the entire art in pencil, a sketchbook, the, the real script, and a small essay. So for 10 bucks, if, you, if anyone just bought the new Batman series and wants an episode that didn't get made, it's Batman the Lost Episode number one from DC. And that's it. All right, Bob. Do I have time left? You had 29 seconds left. Uh, not so bad. No, that's not pretty good. Not pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, about the um, uh, the storm thing, there is a big. There's a big campaign, right? The save, save storm, storm. Uh, which I mean, they haven't canceled it yet. So hopefully, it'll, yeah. Yeah. it'll Her, be up. The sales numbers are hanging right where all those canceled books are. Yeah, mm. they haven't canceled it yet. Yet there's campaigns to save it. Mm-hmm. People are getting well, worried because you it, see where it is. It's yeah. just yeah. ahead of Electra. Yeah, and just behind yeah. She-Hulk. She-Hulk. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> Yeah, so we'll we'll have to see what happens there. Yeah. It, uh, it's great that Marvel tried all these, and they look. It's still a business. Mm-hmm. You're going to sell sixteen thousand copies a month, right? Let's try something that'll sell, that'll yeah. hit, and these characters aren't going to disappear. Yeah, and you might even see them all again in new one first issues with new creative teams. But this right. one's been great. I Storm, big fan of Storm since way back in the Claremont Burn days. Really, just a great character gotten a bad rap because of a certain actress who we won't mention on the air. <laughs> she's a much better character than has been seen for years i i think one of the things we can take away i mean it, it would be amazing and i i wish that the the books that they they marvel put out were selling and that these they were hugely successful but you can look at them you can look at she hulk you can look at electra you can look at storm and i know steve's gonna talk about electra later oh yeah um all been really, really high quality books. Absolutely, these are right. not books that they they took a flyer on that they that they were that they're mailing in. They're putting crappy creative teams on. These these books all did something different. They they all were something special. The people who who love them, and if they don't last, they don't last. Well, we talked about a little bit with the movement, right? Which is if you get a great thing, you should. You, it sucks that it doesn't keep going, but be happy that there's great. It does still yes. exist, you mm-hmm. know. And, and whether or not Storm ends up being six or twelve or it, go, it goes three years, whatever ends up happening, as long as those issues are great, you can always go back to them and always read them. And hopefully, they'll it'll mean that there'll be something more, you know, coming on the horizon. Yeah. Because one of the one of the good things about Marvel is new kind of like we're just going to keep restarting books all the time. Is that right. the, the the recycle point isn't never that far away. It's not like you have to wait three years for a book to finish off before there's a slot left that Marvel can bring something yeah. out. Like, well, let's try She-Hulk again. It's been a, it's been a year. Let's try it again, you know. Or right. let's let's try let's do Electra and somebody, or let you know whatever. There, there's enough yeah. turnover now where I feel like you can get more books are going to come down the pipeline faster. And if they don't work, they don't work. But then you have a chance to reset and and, mm-hmm. and retry them. Well, as we've talked about, it's more the British model or the cable television mm-hmm. model for TV. Mm-hmm. We yeah. don't have to do 36 episodes or 26 or 29. Mm. We'll do six. We'll do 12 and come back with, let's say Charles Soule has another She-Hulk mm. story to tell right. a year and a half from now. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Craft it. Give it to us. He'll, he'll tell in the Avengers when he's writing that book in a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what's That's happening too is you're getting some more cohesion in these story arcs too because, and I remember reading the letter at the end of I probably Avengers Arena or something where they're saying, you know, this kind of book that is a solo book or kind of like a one-off, you think you might get six issues or you might get 10 mm-hmm. issues. So they're plotting these books with that in mind. So when She-Hulk gets canceled at 12, 12 issues might have been sold story. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yes. He doesn't have this this impetus to stretch things out. So you're getting a little bit more cohesion in those stories, making the stories better, I think. Right. Absolutely. Great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's move on. Next in the lightning round. Joey, you're going to get thrown into the fire here. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you have three minutes on the clock, Joey. Go. Okay, so uh, I haven't been able to read a lot of uh, new stuff over the last couple of weeks because of, you know, life and school and fall plays and all of that. But um, what I did finish reading was all of Jeff Parker's Agent of Atlas multiple series. love that one. (laughs) Yeah, it's super wonderful. I just finished them all. There was the 2006 series, six issues there, 2009, 11 issues there, um, five issues in, in 2010, and then, like, a bunch of minis where, you know, the Agents of Atlas, like, fought the X-Men and fought the Avengers and like Gorilla Man got a solo series. Um, but Jeff Parker wrote them all. So again, going back to that idea of kind of cohesion in the stories and all of that, um, agents of Atlas is kind of spun out of a 1978. What if issue? What if the Avengers had been conformed in the 1950s, 50s. um, with, you know, FBI agent James Wu, you know, Chinese American FBI agent, which of course, speaks to me i love seeing chinese americans there um and uh gorilla man and marvel boy except it's the bob grayson version from yep. uranus or uranus or however you want to say it, it. yeah watch it uh, uh the god is venus namora m11 the human robot and uh in jeff parker's series a wakandan shield agent named derek i can't read my own handwriting kanada <laughs> Okay. Um, wonderful story. The Jimmy Wolf is de-aged. He becomes the kind of hip fifties agent that he was. They take on Yellow Claw, which is of course racist, but uh, uh, becomes <laughs> you know. Um, there's revelations there, and uh, the agents of Atlas take over a secret empire and do these kind of vintage pulpy. Um, Saving the World's Escapades, which is super fun. It's a great series. Jeff Parker writing all of it just makes it seem like it's his passion project, and the art's fantastic throughout. I read it all on Marvel Unlimited, so it's all there. It's all fantastic. Um, the other thing that I'm reading and that I'm going to do a write-up for the, the site is I, I got the new printing of the Alias Omnibus mm. um, by Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos, uh, which was 2001 to 2002. 2002-2003 um, the Marvel Max book so the first word in the book is fuck sorry um, and uh, it's Jessica Jones retconned into Marvel history she's a private investigator she's a former superhero um, it's super pulpy super noir uh, but it's super awesome Jessica Jones <laughs> is just a fantastic character um, Bendis it's, it's super chatty but you know um, the characterization of Jessica is just absolutely wonderful and to see her where she started because she's become such an important part or she's become a more regular part of the Marvel Universe now to see where she started in this alias book is really cool um, the other thing the, just to mention because it's the omnibus I mean there's some great extras in the back oh no um, <laughs> go finish great interviews uh, there's the, my favorite part with these Omnibuy is they always include, like, the first pitch, like Bendis's pitch to whoever was editing at the time, and to read, like, his story notes, and then to go back and read the first arc is, it's really cool to see how it translates. What do they get for that, price-wise? Uh, I think retail, it's like, 
ninety nine dollars. <laughs> But if you get it online, maybe on Cyber Monday, um, there you go. <laughs> it's like it's like fifty or sixty. Okay. And I had a gift card, so it was pretty awesome. Perfect. Now I gotta tell you, I love those agents of Atlas. And then when he was gonna be doing defenders and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, it was well, yeah, I know that he's gonna rock this. But for those of us with really long memories or you know, real old, not that I remember the original Yellow Claw, but that was an at, that's an Atlas character. Yeah. They did those in the 50s, and he was Fu Manchu, sort of. And he was brought back by Steranko for Nick Fury and Agent Field, as was Jimmy Woo, who fought against him in the 50s. And that turned into a whole time travel robots, Doctor Doom thing that wasn't really the Yellow Claw, but was it? And, yeah, and it was just Jimmy so Woo. cool to see them all come back again in various guises and shapes. That was just a fun, fun series. And... Are there trades of those, do you think? I'd imagine so. At least I would think that there's probably one of the 2010 Atlas series. Yeah. Because that was that spun out of Secret Invasion, and mm-hmm. it might have been part of that. There you go. I'm going to have to go home and dig them out of the box again. <laughs> All right. And actually, we got there was a little bit of rumors about casting for Jessica Jones for the, the Netflix Ooh. series this week. I mean, they're all kind of... They're TV actors. They're bigger. The bigger TV actors. But um, let me read this right here. I got. There's a Kristen Ritter. Kristen Ritter. Alexandra um, Daddario. Yep. Teresa Palmer and Jessica Gao, who was on Arrow. She was Sarah on Arrow. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool. Uh, she's very good. So uh, yeah, Teresa Palmer was in Warm Bodies, and she was in a couple of other hmm. uh, things as well. But. Yeah, so that that casting, they're obviously starting to move forward in there, and rumors about Luke Cage as well, but not as kind of tactile as, Any, as anyone interesting. Uh, no, not really. I didn't see anybody um, really interesting in the list, but I think the idea is that he will be on Jessica Jones' show, and then that will lead onto into his his own cool. series. I love that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Steve, you ready? Yeah. Three minutes on the clock. Lightning round. Go. All right, so uh, Charles Soule and Pepe Larraz's Inhuman has come to a close after eight issues, eight parts. Uh, We are finally at the end of this uh, first story, and it is pretty damn awesome. Uh, Charles Soule, in my opinion, has done a fantastic job with the Inhuman uh, series in the wake of Matt Fraction stepping away from the project and uh, just really turned this into something really engaging and really fun and creating some awesome new characters. And this issue finds the Inhumans of Oron and uh, Frank McGee basically ending the search to find Black Bolt. And uh, let's just say words are whispered and things don't really go the way that they're supposed to. And uh, the idea that the king is about to come home uh, is pretty exciting for when issue number nine comes along. So if you're reading Inhumans and you like me and you're really enjoying it, um, I'm glad that you are. And I'm actually going to invite... Uh, Bob and anybody else that wants to chime in on my other book uh, for my lightning round, which I will definitely run out of time, <laughs> is uh, Spider-Woman number one by uh, Dennis Hopeless and uh, art by Greg Land. And I don't really know what to say about it. It was kind of <laughs> hot and cold for me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what was about that was hot and cold for you? We have a situation and it's it's killing me because I saw an article earlier about you know, things that writers don't want to hear. And it was a list. And what I'm about to do is make a short <laughs> list of those things. Um, introducing a character like this that has been written so well in past stories, recent stories, and throwing her into her own book 
where by giving her a solo title, you meant that you would actually have like nine other spiders along for the ride um, and making it part of an event, the Spider-Verse event, really, really hampered um, putting Spider-Woman in the forefront of her own title. And the writing is is hit and miss in regard to, to how like how her humor is delivered and handling so many other spider characters within that book that her personality and all of that stuff that you see glimmers of eventually just gets lost in the event itself. So this might be a book where once the event is over, things are better. But for right now, I think it's off to a really um, kind of unfortunate start. No, I agree completely. I think there's a lot of fun stuff here, and excepting a panel or two, the art's really good. Land's really gotten better through the Mighty Avengers run into this. But mm. And not that the story isn't interesting, mm-hmm. or that I couldn't figure what was going on, and I'm not reading Spider-Verse, but it seems like she's co-starring in her own book with Silk. It's more a Silk book than a Spider-Woman book, and you have no idea where this series is going to go. Yeah moving forward and so as we always talk about number one issues should set the tone and this doesn't do that very well i like i'm enjoying silk's character she's kind of a like a 90s kid out of time thing that they're doing with her between dan slot and um and and dennis hopeless like that i've seen writing her and a couple of other people but i just i hope that there's going to be more substance to her soon because the whole like pheromone thing that she has going on with peter or the other spiders and then Hulk will make me a sandwich. Yeah, like like the, the <laughs> '90s related jokes and stuff like that. That kind of formula for her is gonna wear thin really quickly. She's worth so much more than that. I mean, I I don't really like to make this comparison, but if they turn her into another Joker's daughter, where there's just not a whole lot of substance there, I'm gonna be really upset. Hmm. Uh, Bob, any other thoughts? Yeah, I I wanted to love this, and I me too. Kind of liked it. And that's not where I wanted. Uh, again, if I wanted to read a Silk comic, which I probably will when it comes out, that'd be fine. That's not what I bought this one for. Mm-hmm. Joey, did you read it? I did not, uh, but I, I heard similar concerns about the kind of spider women element of it. Like it, it seemed more to be this kind of team book, which which sounds interesting. But to kind of pitch it as a spider woman book, I do I do kind of I'm not surprised by that criticism. Mm. It, it's. And this is I didn't I didn't get didn't read the book yet. Okay. I, I it, was, it was ready to read it, and then all of the criticisms started like flowing in. I was yeah. like, I, I can wait to read it and go yeah. like read the other stuff that I want to read right now. But I think that just the idea of it, just the idea of beginning this book where they're beginning it, which is if you read Spider Verse, it goes like she goes jumping off into a portal, and it's like follow her in Spider Woman yeah. number one, and you, <laughs> and from seeing that you already know what it. I already knew what it was going to be, which was going to be her and and Spider-Man Noir and Silk and whatever, because right. they, they're just another team in the Spider-Verse team. I I guess I guess they probably did it because they didn't want to... Because they're doing a bunch of minis, right? They're doing Scarlet Spiders. They're doing a bunch of minis that are tied into Spider-Verse. They probably didn't want to do a mini with her and then do, launch an a, a ongoing series with her because of some sort of, like, confusion or something like that, you right. know? So that's the only thing I can think of, because it's a weird way to launch a new series. Yeah, I, you know, with with all these these female-led books being canceled and stuff like that, I just, I, I know it's hard to go based off of one issue, and that's probably unfair, but this is not a warm issue to, to get new readers in, at least I, I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm reading the Spider-Verse stuff, and I still found this to be a little bit confusing and overwhelming. Like, there's just, there's so many of them that I felt like the character that's on the cover that the book is named after that I paid 
to see her story, I wound up getting something else. And I mean, that's on me for, you know, knowing that it's part of Spider-Verse and reading comics every day. I should know this kind of stuff. But I still wanted a little bit more out of it. Well, I mean, um, think about what happened with um, the Captain America and Mighty Avengers, Mighty Avengers book. Yeah. yeah, And the criticism there. But over in Remender's main Captain America series, he's not doing the Axis stuff. Or at least I don't know if that's true. No, he's I, not. I mean, uh, Yeah. So, I mean, they were able to introduce that character, quote-unquote, properly over there. Right. Um, but over in the in the tie-in book, it's it completely yeah. is just all over the place. Like, it's not terrible by any stretch. The first page is awesome. Like that when they're they're riding on you know giant lizards in the purple <laughs> sand like, that was that was hilarious like that was really good and I was like oh all right cool this is you know like we're off to a good start and as I kept reading I was like oh god mm-hmm. and you know I'm it's not terrible but it's not great I wanted to love it and I don't um, I'm hoping that it gets better I'm gonna keep checking it out with that mm-hmm. in mind but uh, we'll see what was it about two thirds of the way to through Jessica disappears. Yeah, she leaves her own book. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's not a joke. She decides to, you know, just oops, bloop, I'm gone. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'll buy another one. Not the not like not the debut that I was hoping for. Hopefully, when it gets past the Spider Verse stuff, it will be just yeah. her and be about her. I mean, we've seen we've seen that before. I just I, like bringing just that bringing it up, yeah. being like, oh, I wish it wasn't part of this. Yeah, we say that a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. It's weird because like the tie-in issues are always our least favorite issues of these books yeah. that come out. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they launched the series with that, one of those tie in issues. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It, so that's a shame for, it's a shame for the creative team who I'm sure wants to tell a, a, their own story. And it much like what happened many Avengers when it started. I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. Tie into affinity. Now, it does, I guess, boost the sales at a certain mm-hmm. amount that you get some carryover. Yeah. But then if it right. derails story momentum, yeah. Does yeah. that have a long-term effect? Those people, drift away or don't ever or some people don't even jump on that would have mm-hmm. actually stayed if they yeah launched yeah. them properly i mean we don't know so, like yeah. what the the directive is when they hand that job down when they you know like when they do the hiring and mm-hmm. like you know hey you know we want you to write a spider woman book and like your brain starts going off fireworks mm-hmm. like oh i could do this i could do that so oh but you know for the first you know the first four issues are going to be part of you heard of spider verse right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm sure that's what it was yeah, yeah yeah no no so i'm not i'm not faulting the creators at all yeah um for the way that it that it starts off i just hope that um that we can get through that stuff quickly so that it could you know kind of form its own identity yeah absolutely awesome that's what, that's what you have to hope for all right so i'm gonna go here i'm only doing one book for my lightning Ooh. round all right so here we go so i picked up um Jeff Lemire and Terry Dotson's uh, Teen Titans Earth One, jealous. Volume One. So jealous. <laughs> and uh, if people don't know what Earth One is, it's a series that DC is putting out. They've done a Batman, two Supermans, and now this Teen Titans, which it, it it's it's sort of like almost like an Ultimate Universe type of thing, but it's only done in graphic novels. They're they're reorigined versions of the characters, close sometimes very close to the the you know the regular DC Earth, sometimes not at all. You know the Batman one. Alfred was the guy who trained him. You know, well, well, here we go. Teen Titans Earth One does now. It, they all they all apparently share the same universe, but this this to bring the the existence of multiple superheroes into a thing. It does something similar to what like Arrow or the Flash did, which is there's an event that occurs in the past that links these kids together and gives them their powers. So they're all connected from from the start. Um, 
but saving that, which is a very different origin than these characters have had, and it's um, Raven and Terra and Cyborg and Beast Boy uh, and and uh, Jericho are, are the, the characters in it. Um, we also have Deathstroke and stuff popping up. Very different origins, but the spirits of the characters are very much the characters that you remember from reading from the Wolf, Mar- Wolf and Perez yeah, okay. stuff. You know, they have the same spirit. They have the same idea. It's just their circumstances are very, very different. Uh, I found the story to be very interesting. I only thing I'm worried about with it is that it's definitely the beginning of a story. It's not. It's not. It it, it, it tells a story. It tells their origin, but it's supposed to lead into more volumes. And the Earth One books do not come out very quickly. <laughs> they come yeah. out like year, a year, two years, whatever it might be. We still haven't got Batman Earth One number two yet. Yeah. Wow. Um. So I, I'm worried that I'm never going to see the end of the story. He says he's working on it already, but I, I, um, it was great, and the art by Terry Dotson. Uh, with Rachel Dodson is fantastic. Um, you know, kinetic one needs to be kinetic, emotional one needs to be emotional. Um, you know, these the reinterpretations of the characters and redesigns of the characters look great. Um, Beast Boy is is always one of my favorites in the Teen Titans, and he's just the same Garfield that you you, you would ever know in this. And so are you know Terra and Jericho, who are sort of bad guys in the Teen Titans universe. They're kind of redrawn here a little bit, but they they have those similar characteristics and similar things. Uh, really loved the idea, loved kind of the Star Labs is a big part of this as well, and all the DC lore that's kind of reconfigured here I think really, really works. I think it's one of the rare cases of Jeff Lemire doing a team book and a book that's not his his own creation that is really, really great. You know, I feel like the solo characters he gets right, team books he does just okay with. This is not, this is not your typical Jeff Lemire book. I'm like, oh, this is... Essex County, but a Teen Titans book. <laughs> it definitely feels like a Teen Titans book, but it's really, really good read. Uh, really fun. Looks beautiful. Uh, I highly recommend it. Definitely worth uh, the price tag huh. on it. Nice. What is that price tag? The price tag is twenty two ninety nine. Oh, that's not bad. No, I would have said twenty nine. Yeah, it's a nice presentation. Nice hardcover. Really a gorgeous, gorgeous art. And I think that where the story leads off and what it leads into, I think, is really cool. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's Teen Titans Earth One by Jeff Lemire yeah. and Terry Dotson. Uh, uh, Terry Dotson, I think, is underrated. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, Joey, go ahead. Oh no, I love Terry Dotson, and, and they did. Um, Dotson did a run on on the X Men books a couple of years ago. It's just it's beautiful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. R- really recommend it. If people like, if people have been waiting for something Teen Titans that and they haven't been getting what they want, this is definitely something a step in the right direction. Awesome. I don't know if you want to take a look at it. Steve. Yes, I do. All right. Um, let's go on to some books oh, of the week. Wow, Raven looks awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And the way they the the way they origin the characters is very is very interesting, and the way they tied into someone else's origin is really cool. Ooh. And um, Raven is great, and Raven is it, it, the, the the story is set out in a way, and this is not a spoiler. Most of the kids are in one place, and they grew up together. Raven is somewhere else, and oh. so she, she you're seeing kind of her perspective on the story from far away. And the one time she really kind of meets up with the characters is really awesome. Um, if you like Raven, it's a, it's a really great yeah yeah Raven no moment. she's one of my favorites yeah uh, this is beautiful yeah I'm gonna have to get that yeah really really good um, I think all the Earth One books have been good yeah, uh, yeah the Batman one I bought from you was great yeah so I, I think they're it's a worthwhile series I want to ever, ever ever get the Wonder Woman one that we're supposed to get with oh my uh, god I forgot about that Grant one. Morrison Grant Morrison so the Young Paquette yeah maybe you know it'll come out when the movie comes out <laughs> yeah exactly out. it'll be just about to, ready for that if it takes as long as Multiversity it'll be out in eight years uh, <laughs> um, that's, that's been worth the wait though it has been worth the wait spoiler, we'll talk about spoiler. that later <laughs> we'll talk about that later all right Bob book of the week what do you got for oh, us okay I'm gonna start with Sensation Comics number four. Nice. With three stories in this one. Now, 
Let me just say, first of all, it's an awful cover. <laughs> it's just an awful cover. And these are digital first books. These covers have been spotty mm. across these four. But behind that awful cover, Sensation Comics delivers three stories that really show you the real Wonder Woman. And I'm sure people have only read the new 52 or some, some of the more recent stories. They're going to be a little befuddled by all this. But every tale here highlights some portion of the, the legendary aspects of Wonder Woman that we're not seeing in, okay. in other media. And on the first story, which is by Gilbert Hernandez from Love and Rockets. Oh, sweet. It's, it's, the, it's the, second, the second part of a story where Wonder Woman's been captured by Kanjar Ro, the old Justice League villain, and mind control. Supergirl shows up. And there's, there's a couple of nice fight sequences, which is all really great. And he, when that doesn't even go right, brings Mary Marvel into the mix. Wow. Oh, sweet. Which gets even crazier. <laughs> and it's just, it's fun. If you, if you know Gilbert Hernandez, it, it's, it's light and very cartoony, but he draws an amazing Wonder Woman with like the biggest biceps of all time that she's ever been shown. <laughs> it's pretty extreme. But, but it works. I mean, it really does work because she's still Wonder Woman all this, even when she's having her problems here. But with all the action and all the fun, what really shines through is this sisterhood of superheroines is what finally saves the day. They come together and do something important. Now, the second story, which is Rob Williams from 2000 AD and Tom Lyle, who did Starman, it's the attack of the 500-foot-tall Wonder Woman. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and here, it, this begins with uh, Diana on Paradise Island, where a teacher tells her that, uh, well, let me get this exactly right. Strength is an overrated thing. Do you know what I see, Diana? Something you'll never be. And eventually what we have is there's a, a Thangarian fugitive shapeshifter who turns himself into basically, you know, Ghidra the three-headed monster or something with just one head. But same idea, flying serpenty dragon thing. The Atom makes Wonder Woman 500 feet tall so she can go fight him because the dragon like swats the hawk people off into San Francisco Harbor, Gateway City Harbor, whatever it is. And so there's, some, there's some cool giant monster movie stuff and some stuff gets wrecked. But what, what happens here is Wonder Woman, instead of just beating this creature up, takes down the suspension cables from the Golden Gate Bridge, in essence, imbues it with the power of the golden lasso, <laughs> and, and corrals this creature and discovers the truth about him that we didn't know. And you end up with a very poignant, touching ending that is Golden Age Dr. Marston and modern at the same time. And this is what Wonder Woman's about. It's not about punching people in the face all the time there's something else that's supposed to be there and here we go <laughs> and our, our last story is by uh neil clada and dean haspiel who worked with harvey Pekar american splendor and here we've got raza ghoul versus wonder woman and etta candy <laughs> and he has taken the purple healing ray from paradise island because he wants to raise an army of immortal zombie soldiers which is what you do. Mm -hmm. We also get a guest starring appearance by Boston brand Dead Man, which is a heck of a lot of fun. And again, you have here, it's about teamwork and positive energy and just all great stuff. And it's not sitting around chatting. It is not just a, a, a discussion group. It's still a fun comic book with action, adventure, and just tons of heart. And every month, if you want to read a Wonder Woman comic that's, that's classic and is the character in all the proper ways, this is where you're going to find it, and this is where you should be looking. All right. That's awesome. I'm so glad that book exists. Yeah. yeah. The, the digital ones are out a little before this. Is it? They're just sort of like one story ahead. Mm -hmm. The book is selling like 14,000 copies a month. 
which I think mm-hmm. is fine for their digital. I'm sure that they sell enough on the other side that it's it's yeah. worthwhile for them, and it's nice. We have lots of different kind of Wonder Woman's out there, so you can pick and choose the, the right one, mm-hmm. which is this one, and maybe <laughs> Wonder Woman '77, which is coming March. I think. Oh yeah, right. Yes, the based on Linda Carter. Yeah. Yeah. What? That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, they announced it at the New York Comic Con. Yeah. Wow. Her image will be Linda Carter. Mm-hmm. I forget who someone big was doing it. And why am I drawing I a complete remember. blank? But sort of in kind of the Batman '66 type of mold, yeah. like the same style every week in a in a in a digital comic format. Can't wait for that. Yeah. And what else you got for us, Bob? I'm very happy to say that my book of the week is Fantastic Four number thirteen. Wow! <laughs> Yay! It's been climbing up like the, the ranks. yeah, it's moving up the ranks. It's, yeah. it's it's number one with a bullet now, though. Uh, it's James Robinson, Leonard Kirk, uh, Carl Kessel on inks, uh, Jesus Arbutov on colors, and Clayton Cowles from, where is he from again? VCs. He's VCs <laughs> Clayton Cowles, I guess it is. No, he's not. Is he? Yes, yeah, VCs. <laughs> now, let me just start by saying this, and I, I, I wrote this, so I hope you don't mind, because um, it's if only, and that's two of the saddest words in the English language, because it's completely applicable to this current run, because based on the stuff he's done before over the years, I was so excited when he was on this book, Justice Society stuff and Golden Age, that he'd be able to tell this family story. And the first issue wasn't bad. It really it got off to a really nice start, but pretty quickly we got into very grim territory. It was the fall of the Fantastic Four. And I don't know how much of this is going to be prophecy because it, it turned into the fall as the book is now canceled. Mm-hmm. And... How much is publishing edict? Is it how many issues you need to do an arc or two arcs? And this just went on way too long. But it's now canceled before this glorious rise takes place. Over the last few issues, we've gotten to see the family pieces coming back together. It seems like a real Fantastic Four book again. And in this issue, without me getting into to too much spoiler territory, because I think a lot of people are way behind on this. <laughs> yeah, if you you keep talking about it the way that you are, I'm going to go back and I'm going to read it. You should. but And here you get multiple points of view on the storyline where Reed has been working at New Eden to try to make the world a better place as everything's falling apart. Things are falling apart there too. And we might have some villainy afoot. Camp Hammond, where the FF kids have been taken, has been attacked by Thor. And the whole place is a wreck and there are shield agents all over the place. We then cut to where those kids are, two familiar faces, one doing something rather unexpected in the in the villainy category. We get Ben and the Sandman busting out of prison. And then a really wonderful, wonderful, I'm not going to open the page, Steve. A really <laughs> great it. final scene that puts, as you can see from the cover, they're back in blue as opposed to back in this hideous red they had before. Huh. And it's just a, a lovely finish to this issue. And I got to speak to James Robinson briefly at the end of a panel that he was choked up by it. As people, there was, no one in the audience was reacting at all, except there were a couple of murmurs about the book going away. Mm-hmm. And he seemed saddened that it all went the way it did. And he was saying that as this arc ends, no one is going to be left with a bad taste in their mouth. Everyone gets their moments. There'll be something special here. I hope he gets another chance to do this book moving forward, because right now, the book is back where it belongs. Hmm. All right. So. Awesome. Awesome. That's good news. All right, from good news to not so good news, Joey. <laughs> you want to start with Wonder Woman? Let's start with Wonder Woman, yeah. All right, we'll start with Wonder Woman. 
<laughs> All right, so uh, I'll preface Wonder Woman 36 the same way that I started the review by saying, like, this book, like, there, I, I understand why people liked this issue. And if you look at the forums and you look on Twitter, like, there are people that were had positive things to say about it. And, there, and I think that part of that comes from uh, what Meredith and, and David Finch do with Wonder Woman number 36 is they they drop the book more into the running continuity of the new 52. The Justice League is there. Uh, Swamp Thing is there. It's, it's the, the Wonder Woman mentions the Superman Clark, uh, Superman Clark, Superman Wonder Woman <laughs> book, right? So it's all there. It's, it's, it's much clearly part of what's going on in the rest of the line. Um, and I'm sure some of the positive response also is linked to um, Finch's artwork. I mean, f- for some of this book, it, it has that classic Finch detail, that kind of cinematic quality. It's um, There's a reason why David Finch is a recognizable name in the industry. It's because of kind of the richness of his artwork. I, I think I used the word like luscious in, in, in the review. Um, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> that's why people have a response positive response to this book i didn't have a positive response to this book but i wanted to get that out of, out there and just say like if you did like it this is probably why and there's nothing wrong with those reasons um but wonder woman number 36 didn't cut it for me because of the way it portrays the titular character i mean I, I, all those other things those positives um it's the continuity of the new 52 it's kind of bigger kind of um uh line-wide stuff but when you actually get down to the nitty-gritty and how diana is presented in this book it's not it's not good at least in in my opinion and i think it, it starts with uh where she's introduced in the book which is yeah. in the shower you know and and uh we sit through a couple of pages of this kind of poetic metaphorical rain sequence which is gorgeously illustrated there's some very interesting narration and then all of a sudden the rain and the devastation of this rainstorm becomes wonder woman in the shower and i kind of knew that was like red flag number one for me it's like the Um, segue in one of those old cheesy usa up all night movies (laughs) (laughs) those andy sedaris yeah yeah so i mean and then from there it, it kind of um it kind of rolled down the hill. There was very wonky characterization. You got Wonder Woman acting very recklessly in one scene and then very insecure in the next scene. Um, the way she's illustrated by Finch, very kind of childlike. Um, ironically, given the size of certain parts of her anatomy. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's bizarre there. But then you turn the page and Finch is illustrating other things, Swamp Thing. He's illustrating this rain sequence. He's illustrating members of the Justice League. He's illustrating certain action scenes, and it's brilliant. But when you sit down and look at how Wonder Woman is illustrated, it's problematic. Um, and, again, it, it was a difficult issue to go through because of that, because of the fact that as an issue, as a story, it's serviceable but as a representation of the character that it's supposed to be representing, it's not. And, and that was difficult for me um, to go through. And, the, and uh, we all kind of knew that Meredith Finch coming in, she had some experience, I guess, with Xenoscope. Is that 
Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, so moving on to a big book, I mean, I think we kind of assumed that there'd be kind of some rust there, some kind of beginners, you know, curve, learning curve there. Um, but it, it, it certainly, for a book that I feel, given the climate of the industry, given the climate of how we're supposed to be perceiving the character of Wonder Woman and what they should be doing with this character, it was surprising just how middling the story was in in this issue especially coming off of the azarello chang run which i know was controversial but um was redefining in many ways and had a certain weight to it and then kind of to come to this which seems more as you know well here's another book in our new 52 line it doesn't have that specialness that i feel like the wonder woman book should have i don't know that's just my thoughts on it all right. I think those are good thoughts. Um, Bob, why don't you, do, why don't you, you ring sure? in? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sandwich right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, I I want to preface this by saying I want to read Wonder Woman comics. I've got, you know, a long box of them sitting at home and archive editions and the whole thing. One of my favorite characters. So it's really I'm as unhappy as I am to have been right about this forecast from the promo art and the interviews these people gave about what they thought about the character or how little of it they had read or understood Right. moving in. Here's what you're talking about with some of the changes, Joey, in the industry and DC particularly. This is everything that the relaunch Batgirl isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is dark and stupidly grim for no particular reason. It's ham-fistedly self-important in some of this presentation of yeah, those first couple of pages are interesting, and then we get into this other stuff. Dialogue is all over the place. Vegetative it's, injustice! It's, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> followed followed by colloquial sort of, your problem is my problem. Mm-hmm. And there's a page that, there's a moment that's undersold that would be a lovely panel, where Wonder Woman's gone to visit the, the wreckage of this Pennsylvania town, and in the background you see a... a, a, a wrecked teddy bear that she picks up and ends up uh, caressing during this really awful scene on an airplane with with aquaman aquaman with she has this hideous expression on her face that never changes whatsoever it looks like she's about to burst into tears as carolyn coca says and it's the absolute truth and it's this horrible dialogue that's right out of some 1960s TV commercial about a harried housewife. I don't have time to do all these things. Right. Well, Wonder Woman always did. She always managed, no matter what was going on, to find time for her friends and make sure they were all taken care of and save truth, justice, and the American way and womanhood and positive messages for everyone involved. And that's not here. This entire page just undercuts everything beyond... We've turned the Amazons into, I don't know, what what's going on over there, <laughs> where they're all really mad at her, and it's they're men on Paradise Island, and of course, there's, there's one, I don't want to get, forget, I can't spoil the ending for those who didn't see it, that, that's just yeah. useless. And I, I, there's a quote I pulled out here, uh, where we see Wonder Woman, who knows who Swamp Thing is, she greets him by kicking him in the face mm-hmm. in a really hideous piece of artwork that I'm sure is going to go on prints and lunch boxes and in on people's screensavers so they can look at it in, in great detail. 
that is completely useless. The sequence that follows, that's the vegetative injustice. Um, maybe the worst. Vegetative life. injustice! <laughs> is worth thousands of lives. Do we have a, a category for worst dialogue balloon in a comic this year? Because that's certainly <laughs> it. Because the poor Swamp Thing's just minding his own business, trying to sort out what's gone wrong. And this is. He's feeling a disturbance in the, the green. In the green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like some Star Wars yeah, stuff. I, I think, you know, she's trying to surprise him. Well, that's pretty much a surprise. Someone who's been a friendly character you've kicked in the face. It's, yeah. it's pretty good. And it's well, it's to shake some uh, information out of him. In number 25 in the, I don't know what volume it is now, three, I suppose it is, Gail Simone's historical, uh, historical The Star in the Heavens, personal effects. One of out in California. They're going to make a movie. And that she's trying to describe the, the Amazonian philosophy. And the, 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 the quote is, we have a saying, my people, don't kill if you can wound, don't wound if you can subdue, don't subdue if you can pacify, and don't raise your hand at all until you first extended it. Wow. But no, let's kick Swamp Thing in the face. <laughs> Enough said. No, there's something to be said, like, that quote is absurd. The vegetative thing is absurd. Yeah. But if they wanted to do pulpy Wonder Woman, I'd be down for that. You know, if it was meant to be taken as a joke. But then you read the rest of the book, and it's so, and I think, Bob, you hit it on the head, that... Uh, self-important and and kind of grim for for no reason it 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 just none of it works together like none of the book works with itself and i think like the 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 funny thing is i put the review up and like on the website there's those like those feature images at the top like the Mm -hmm. the title bar Mm -hmm. and if you look at the title bar the way it's cropped the emphasis on the image is on a certain part of wonder woman's anatomy (laughs) Like the way that the review kind of just laid out that picture, which I think is, again, it just speaks to what the emphasis, I felt what the emphasis was with this book. It's just another piece of this line, another piece of something that the company (laughs) seemed to represent, or or rather, I don't want to say the company, comics represented a year or two ago before the conversation changed, Mm. you know? And, And I think that when I read it, I was like, this is, am i in 2008 again you know am i in 2009 again like where this would have been kind of common stock but i i don't know i don't know it was yeah. just steve what did you think of it um i mean what <laughs> following <laughs> the passion of both joey and bob is uh is a tough act um i i didn't like it mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't like it I, I tried to like it i really did i tried to like it but i didn't and you know, so much of, of what Joey had said um, in particular uh, is how I felt about it. Is we open up with this, you know, this horrendous uh, flooding, like flash flooding sequence. And I mean, I didn't care for the narrative. I thought it was really dark. I thought it was kind of boring. And then we cut to the shower scene. And just like Joey said, I was like, and, and I sat there reading this to myself and I went, and there it is. Like there's there's the first thing that I'm, you know, not going to like about this book. Um, I just don't, she looks like a Barbie doll to me and I could, I I probably couldn't count on two hands the amount of times where she's looking up like constantly, like, like Michelle Rodriguez in the Resident Evil movies (laughs) where she's got these, you know, doe eyes and this like, like powder puss expression on her face. And I, I just, that's not. It's not who Wonder Woman is to me. I, you know, I, I hate to to raise the words, but like, just like Man of Steel was not. That's not my version of Superman. This is not my version of Wonder Woman. I hadn't anticipated that it would be, 
but I was hoping to be surprised. Right. I was really hoping to be surprised. Um, I found some of the splash pages to be meaningless. The the giant kicking in the face. Why was Swamp Thing even there? Why? Because like, they I, wanted to ingrain it in the new Fifty Two. Yeah, I yeah. guess. <laughs> um, the the big the big splash page with the Justice League um, seems really gratuitous to me. I don't like the posy like the action figure poses that they've got on. Um, I don't like that her uh, mammary equipment yeah. is bigger than her head, yeah. which is a real problem. I Yeah, I mean, I know that that stuff is there. I try not to fixate so much on that. I mean, we've been, we've been dealing with this for, for quite some time now, and I, yeah. not to say that I've grown used to it or have grown complacent about it. It still does bother me. There's not much else on that page worthwhile looking, unless you want no, to count Superman being constipated. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I mean, getting getting yeah. back to the book, um, I I like the colors. If I could say something positive about it, I I really did like the colors. I so thought it was Obad, colored right? uh, rather yeah. beautifully. Yeah, yeah. Um, and some some of the art um, is decent action wise, but I just it's not the direction. Like I'm already I already wasn't reading. I dropped maybe half of um, halfway into the Azarello run. Um, I just couldn't keep up with it. I needed to to cut things, and unfortunately, I never went back to it. So I don't know how it wrapped up. I was enjoying it for a time, and then it just fell into the cracks. Um, but I was really hoping to come back to the character, because Wonder Woman's a character that I, I do enjoy and I know is special to a lot of people that I care about. And, you know, wouldn't it be nice if if the mainline Wonder Woman book was something that a lot of people could get behind and could celebrate. Yeah. And unfortunately it's just it's clouded by a lot of um just expectations not met and mm. and justice for the character not given. Mm. Yeah. If I could. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I didn't like the book very much either. Um and I don't want to just keep like piling on it and I I want to I want to make sure look we all didn't like it but that does that's not an insult to people who did like it. No, it's not no, saying you're stupid, not. it's not saying no. you don't know what you're talking about, but and I, we you talked about the characters in Diana and I think that what you guys have all said is very true about the, the way she's portrayed in the book. Um what what I think is even if you don't care about Wonder Woman and you're reading this book the portrayals of the other characters are also very bad. They're they're not good portrayals. Like Aquaman is not acting like Aquaman. The, the rest of Justice League is not acting like the rest of the Justice League. Uh, that stuff bothers me. I don't think that is handled well at all. Um, I don't like that she's, you know, I don't know why there has to be seven other characters who have almost as much screen time as she does yeah. uh, in the book. Um, I think he draws a hell of a Swamp Thing. I'm gonna, I'll say that right now. The Swamp Thing yeah. looks mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, um, he, his powers are definitely at work when he's drawing something like that. I think um, I, when we when we, when we were doing for evil, I I, oh, I I was constantly talking about how I did not enjoy the the, the faces on the characters, mm-hmm. and that 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 still remains true here. You know, and it's funny because like I, I think that opening scene we talked about a little bit. I, I think the the rain imagery, and I think even bringing it into the shower imagery, I don't think is a bad metaphor i think it actually can be something interesting right Mm -hmm. because it's this they have like the you know the destruction and and versus the cleanly the the cleaning metaphor that they're working with and they also the fact that she's kind of washing away all of the pain and stuff she had to go through to to save these people and i don't i don't think that the shower scene itself is even that revealing right but i think that what it leads to is so underwhelming and so all over Mm -hmm. the place that 
it, it just ends up not working. It ends up feeling superfluous. Gratuitous. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like, why is this here? If you're mm-hmm. going to follow this metaphor throughout the entire story, that's fine. But you, you, there seemed to be not a lot of dedication to, like you said, to character. And the fact that even if, okay, if you're gonna make if you're gonna make it a dark book, then make it dark for a reason. You know, if you're gonna make it grim, make it grim for a reason. If you're gonna you know, make it pulpy, keep that vegetative injustice line in there. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but then you need you, you need like run some of this art style from Sensation. You need to be playful, silly, exactly, and have some fun with it. You need if it's gonna be pulpy, you need you, yeah. you need to figure out what you want to do. Now, look, one issue does not designate what an entire run is going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we 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 loved the first issue of Brian with X Men. and We all fell off that book relatively quickly mm-hmm. yeah. for a lot of bad reasons. Now and that, and Brian Wood is a great writer, so I'm not saying this book is going to turn into a book that we want to read. Um, but I'm not. But I don't want to say that this book with a writer really writing her first big time comic book that this is as good as she's ever going to be because I don't think that's true. No. Um, but I think the art style is not going to change. I think that if you don't like the art, you shouldn't. You can stick with the book. I think it's just. I think even outside of it being a poor Wonder Woman story, I think that it's a narrative that's kind of all over the place and feels more like a kind of interlude Justice League story than it feels like a Wonder Woman story. Mm. Um, and, and so it just is... Mm-hmm. I won't even say disappointing because I didn't have huge expectations for it, but I was hoping to be surprised by it. Yeah, I was hoping that seeing what they've done with some of their other books and a book that I'm going to talk about when I get to my mm-hmm. thing, that, that they would that things would have gotten a little bit better. I don't think they did. I think that if you're going to piss people off and you're going to do things that are going to make people angry, you at least have to be good about it. You at least have to be Azarello and Chang and do something crazy and interesting. And people, the people say, well, that's a really good story. It's not for me, but it's a really good story. You know, th- this is not going to, I don't think you're going to get that with either camp at this point. Yeah. And I think the people who, people who love Wonder Woman, like from pre fifty two are not gonna like this book. That's true. And the people who loved Azarello and Chang aren't gonna like it. Aren't like it either. <laughs> so I don't know what you're hoping to achieve and what you're hoping to get on because I think that you're going to lose a lot of the people that you even had before. I mean, you're gonna gain new people. I mean, the people who like it because because it re- more closely resembles stuff that they they're, they're reading, and that's fine. But yeah. I don't. I, I feel like you're gonna see it erode. Below the Azarello Chang oh, I think numbers, absolutely. I just that's a big unfortunate start. given that it's a Wonder Woman book. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That it's the Wonder Woman book. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's unfortunate. I'm yeah. not used to seeing Wonder Woman like lead with her fists. Mm. You know, one of the one of my favorite aspects of the character is her diplomacy mm. and her ability to you know the thing that you read before mm. exactly mm. that. And you know, different creators, different minds, different stories to tell. You can have wiggle room and do what you want to do creatively, but you know that's it's very jarring and very extreme yeah to to open up a book and especially you know not we we know dc's or, or whoever's stance on who they make books for but again you know wonder woman is a very very important character who is a symbol in in society and in pop culture to many many people well, especially yeah. little yeah. girls well beyond comics yeah well beyond yeah. comics yeah. Um, it's a shame, you know, um, I would say if you want to hear three hours about Wonder Woman, you should listen to the Misfits episode <laughs> that Bob Breyer and Karen Lacocca were on this week. You should definitely check that yeah, out. And our host Mara Wood was fantastic. Which I'm sure yeah. Mara is always fantastic and knows the shit out of Wonder Woman. She's the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, some good news for Wonder Woman, just want to say it's not a lot to talk about right now, but, uh, Michelle McLaren, who, yeah. uh, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, um, she is directing and 
helping to develop and write the Wonder Woman movie coming out in 2017. It gives me some hope. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually really excited about that. So that we got it. We have a director. We'll see how things go when we get more about writing announcements and everything like that, and maybe a plot synopsis. But it seems like it's 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 a step in the right direction. Yeah, we can just get Zack Snyder away from there. We'll be in really <laughs> good shape. But that was even for me. That was a positive development. <laughs> yeah, because uh, any, anyway. Joey, what was you know, what, what? Tell us about a book you liked. Yeah. Um, I did also read an edition of Wonder Woman 36 last week. I did uh, read Black Widow 12, mm-hmm. uh, Nathan Edmondson and Phil Noto. I don't know if you guys are still reading that or if you're still on top of or up to date with it. No, I sort of dropped away. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's been it's been going along for the last year. I I can't believe they're already at 12. They're a little short of a year because I think it double shipped its first mm-hmm. uh, month, but. Th- a that Nathan Edmondson and Phil Noto have done every single issue um, really speaks back to something we mentioned earlier about this concept of like telling a cohesive narrative. The book just feels like one Natasha story. It's it's really well done. Um, this issue in particular is the one that Anderson Cooper's in. Out of that was in the news really? a couple of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> And the whole premise is Anderson Cooper runs this CNN expose, you know, Black Widow, is she a terror threat? You know, which isn't <laughs> necessarily a new story, you know, this concept of hero or menace kind of thing. Um, but A, Anderson Cooper being in the book, drawn in Phil Noto's very realistic um, aesthetic is awesome, uh, number one. Um, but what's great is, in addition, while this plot thread going through with the terror threat, hero or menace storyline is going through, and you're seeing... Um, Iron Man and Hawkeye and all these other Captain America or sorry, maybe it's Sam Cap. I don't know which one it is. Um, responding to this this expose and kind of doing damage control and calling up Maria Hill. The secondary story in this issue is Natasha having like the best mission ever in in Somalia. You know, she like she's like I'm a spy, but you know it, it it means that it doesn't mean that I can't have a little fun. So she gets up on the truck behind this like giant Gatling machine gun and like kills a helicopter, which is like <laughs> the the newest type of badassery. I think like John McClane kills a plane in Live Free yeah. or Die Hard, and Captain America killed a plane in Winter Soldier, and I think Katniss kills a plane. In uh, <laughs> Hunger Games, I don't know. It was in the preview, so it's just <laughs> Natasha having like the best day ever, the best mission ever, juxtaposed with this very, very intense, very, very um, troublesome storyline. Uh, really exposes how all of these other characters view her, because the main takeaway at the end of the issue is: is this expose? Is what's CNN saying actually wrong, right? Marie Hill's like, yeah, she is. She is that kind of person that does that gray area stuff, and that's what we need her for. And then you get Natasha's perspective on top of that, and she's just saying, you know, I'm just doing my job. So to to have Edmondson balance both of those stories, it really speaks to what this book is all about. And uh, Noto's artwork is great, and it's just it's just a really wonderful book that um, if you did fall away. Um, it's it's really picking up. It's a really great story. Awesome. Awesome. So that's Black Widow number 12? Yeah. All right. And Wonder Woman number one was the other one we talked yeah. about. All right. Stephen 
Robert Say Jr. Wow. <laughs> Am I in trouble? No. Yeah. <laughs> you come back in here. You yeah, talk seriously. about this Archaea book right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I could do that. Let me just uh, pull up a couple of notes that I took here. Or do you okay. want to talk about Electra first? It's up, it's up no, I actually, I want to talk about um, this Archaea book that I got. Okay. Uh, so, okay. It has like a latch on it. Yeah. Um, I actually bought this for our friend Lauren Colleagues for her birthday um, at NYCC. This was one of the last things that I uh, allowed myself to pick up because money was just woohoo. Um, this is a book, a uh, beautiful, beautiful bound book with a golden latch on the side uh, called The Will of the Wisp, uh, an, an Aurora Grimion uh, story. And it's written by Tom Hammock and illustrated by Megan Hutchinson with colors by Adam um, Gazowski. Okay. Good. Uh, so what I'm going to do, where to go? There it is. Okay. So here's the deal. This girl's parents died and that's a sad, sad thing. Uh, they all ingested a, um, like a, a paste or something with um, poisonous mushrooms. And it turns out that the girl who doesn't like mushrooms all that much only had the like soupy parts down at the bottom. So she ends up surviving. Her parents unfortunately pass away. Uh, there are uh, no relatives that can claim her except for one. So the um, department in charge of placing her in a home decides that her grandfather is now going to take care of her. Thing is, is that her grandfather lives quite far away. He lives in Louisiana in the bayou, where um, the entire town that he lives in is a they're active practicers of hoodoo. Um, now, if I just could read this really quick, instead of me trying to describe what hoodoo <laughs> is for people that don't know, uh, it says hoodoo as a uniquely American form of magic. Some might even say specifically that hoodoo is a combination of Native American, European, and African uh, tra- spiritual tra- uh, traditions, folklore, uh, superstition, botanical knowledge, and folk magic. As our world becomes increasingly uniform, the things that make areas unique disappear. Uh, it's my hope that Aurora and her adventures in some small way spark curiosity in the world of hoodoo and other vanishing traditions all around us. Mm. So Tom Hammock, what he did was he had like kooky grandparents, especially his grandmother. And his grandmother had a lot of like bizarre practices that he when he would go over to her to her house every single time that he would stay overnight in the morning, she would grind up brick dust and then line all of the doorways with it and then sweep it away at night and then do it again in the morning and so on and so forth. Um, she would place things in certain patterns, kind of like feng shuiing the spiritual <laughs> energy of the house and things like that. And so it always fascinated him and he came to to find, he read up on hoodoo and pretty much created this story about this girl who goes to live with her grandfather and when she arrives, there's kind of this sinister magical force that follows her and like just starts dispatching people around town and because they all have a very uniformed way of life they all believe in this hoodoo and every one of them like defers to this like madam of hoodoo or or witch doctor uh that lives in the uh in the town so they're all very comfortable in their lifestyle this girl moves in and things people start dying and they get very you know suspicious and stuff but what really impressed me about this book and what I really, really enjoyed about it was just how bizarre the Louisiana Bayou hoodoo town and its people were. I mean, you take Aurora, her grandfather is a supplier of bones for schools and specifically the um, 
like the skeletons that they use in class mm-hmm. with the anatomy classes and stuff. So he makes those, but he makes them out of real human bones. So she moves into this house, has never met this guy before, and his whole deal is that he gets bodies of like dead bodies of people and of animals and he has in his basement there's a crack in his basement that opened up and in there he's put like these special beetles that you throw the bodies down there and they eat away at like the muscle and the sinew real thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, to like to clean the bones and do all that stuff and he tasks her with um having to place the teeth inside of the skulls and she has to do like a (laughs) she has to meet a quota for each week and stuff like that (laughs) And just like, what a hell of a way to start a book and to introduce your characters. And you have this girl who just experienced this devastating thing. And she moves into this bizarre place with all these, you know, not weird people, but just very peculiar people. And now all of a sudden, people that she's learning to care about are dying. And it seems to be that wherever she goes, death follows and she doesn't know why. Um, We come to find out a little bit later that there was a very specific reason there were things set in place to bring her to this bayou. And the story plays out from there. Um, the art for it is really cool. It's um, It's got a lot of character to it in that because the town is so bizarre, it seems to match up that it's kind of, the art's kind of grimy. It's, it's angular. The characters are, you know, really rail thin legs with, with uh, bigger torsos and kind of skewed heads uh, weird mouth positions. It all feels very bizarre, mm-hmm. which is which is, I guess, the feeling that they want you to have while reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good mystery story, and uh, it plays with a lot of interesting traditions and kind of honors them in a way, and finds it finds a way of telling like a whimsical fantasy story with like supernatural, you know, who done it kind of stuff. Mm. It sounds like Neil Gaiman-ish. Yes. Uh, yeah. That sort of description sounded very, you know, Coraline, the graveyard book type of... Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And I mean, it seems like this is maybe going to be a series. Like, this is the first uh, mm. in the series. It's got, you know, we were talking about Gotham Academy and how it's got that, like, YA feel to it and stuff like that. This very much has that as well. Um, the art's kind of that, like, that fairly or oddly normal book that's out mm-hmm. now kind of reminds me a little bit of that but um yeah no it's really really cool um archaea always has a way of you know first of all the the printing on this book is just absolutely gorgeous you know their hard covers are second to none as far as uh presentation and stuff the the gold lettering on the outside and and everything like that um just a fun fun read if you like um you know high fantasy and you're interested in seeing something that feels cultural and maybe you don't know a whole lot about it. i didn't know anything about hoodoo mm-hmm. before i heard of voodoo but certainly not hoodoo i didn't know the difference uh and now i do right. awesome. the, mo- the more you know the more you know yeah. the more you know yeah. will of the wisp yeah will of the wisp uh from archaea right. uh definitely check it out and it's by tom hammock and megan hutchinson and here you go bob thank you up. i definitely want to read that one all right and my other my book of the week holy hell um I talked about this book. This was my book of the week when it first came out. Number one is Electra from uh, William Hayden Blackman and Mike Del Mundo. And I read the first two issues and then said to myself, I said, you know what? This looks like something that I'm going to want to read when it's all together. Granted, we're only eight issues in, but we have finished our first arc and we even had a two-part short little respite from things going on. And now uh, in the newest issue, we're back 
to it being Mike Del Mondo on art. Um, if you remember, Hayden Blackman uh, was a contributor to Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Okay, Batwoman had a very when it first started had a like a real like density to it, and crafting a female character that was just like you do not mess with them, you don't do it. And he's doing that again here with Electra. I've never read anything with Electra in it, like as far as like a solo book. She's popped up in things here and there, and I know a little bit of her history from video games and from hearing things and whatnot. But the things that uh, Blackman does with the character, the way he weaves her past into this story now, is absolutely beautiful. This whole thing is beautiful. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Mike Del Mundo's art, but he is killing it with everything that he does. This whole this whole thing plays out just like a like a long assassin's ballet or something like that. Um, the colors that he uses, I actually do want to give uh, credit to the colorist if I can uh, if I can locate their names. Probably not. Oh, here we go. Um, VCs Clayton Cowles. <laughs> There you go. Clinton Cows. Yep. Oh, and Marco, uh, Marco D'Alfonso um, is on art as well. So I guess a, a joint effort. But what you have here is you got this insane, insane villain uh, by the name of Bloody Lips who... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I know it sounds ridiculous. But Bloody check, Lips! Bloody Lips. But check this... Chapstick, are you? <laughs> check this guy out. You ruined this for me. <laughs> You're totally throwing me off. Um, his whole deal, the whole deal is that Electra has been tasked with, um, going after, um, this, uh, this, basically this like master assassin. Um, and now that you've distracted uh, Cape Crow, Cape Crow, yeah, yeah. She's, yeah. she's going after Cape Crow, uh, just at the same time that this bloody lips character is also, uh, in pursuit of him. And <sighs> bloody lips is a character that what he does is he actually like, he eats his, victims he's a he's a serial killer he's a villain serial killer who ingests um abilities and memories and emotions Mm. by dining on his victims like siler yeah yeah and he's like he's already gone around and and you know grabbed a bunch of people some are still alive some are not and he's turned into this like this bestial thing he's not even a man anymore he's just this thing that is just absolutely unstoppable because he's got all these powers. He's got these mental abilities, physical strength, um, you name it, he's got it. And what happens is he gets just a taste of Electra's blood and he, he tastes something that he's never, he's never experienced before and he wants more of it. So the story is basically Electra and Bloody Lips's race to, uh, to Cape Crow and basically trying to off one another in the process. That first story is five issues long, and then you have a uh, a two part story where there there is an artist change, um, but still stays within the continuity of what happened in the previous arc. And then, like I said, uh, you come back around to Del Mundo and Blackman returning to kind of wrap things up. Um, you know, this is this has been canceled already. I have after reading this in one lump. I read it yesterday, uh, one through eight. I have total confidence that they're going to be able to pull this off in the next three issues and tell the story that they want to tell. And like you were saying earlier, to enjoy it for what it is, that we're going to have this ridiculously awesome, ridiculously vengeful, strong uh, story featuring Elektra 
that is between Del Mundo's art and Blackman's writing is going to be like one of what I would anticipate to be one of the best stories that she's ever been in. Mm. It is just super intense. Uh, yet another, you know, Marvel female character that I would not want to cross in a dark alley. <laughs> um, and it's not just about her being badass. She is unlike a lot of the other female characters that I've read and other heroes and stuff like that. She's not a Carol Danvers. She's not a She-Hulk. She's not a Black Widow. She's a killer. Like, yeah. she's a straight-up killer. If there's a problem, her solution for it is just let me kill him. Just let me do it. She won't do it if it's not under contract unless there are special circumstances. But she, you know, dispatches people left and right throughout this series. And instead of it being harsh and instead of it being, um, you know, pointless or just fodder or whatever, the the way that the art is and the way that the that the fights are portrayed, it's all just this, like I said, it's gorgeous. It's like a dance that mm-hmm. she does. There's this one uh, page where she, like, it almost goes through the entire spectrum of colors of the rainbow of her fighting these different battles while she's making her way to this island. And it's all these different like headlocks and kicks and punches and positions. And it ends in this beautiful, like almost like head down swans pose or something at the end. And just in that one page, you can see the entire fight of like nine different villains all in one page. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. Um, so anybody that has not checked out Electra, uh, this has been an outstanding series that has gone unmentioned on here this whole year because I wasn't reading it and holy crap, uh, am I glad that I, that I caught up with it, uh, yesterday. All right. It's fantastic. Awesome. So, so it's your fault it's canceled. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't talk <laughs> so about all it. all your fault. Steve. No, you know, I just, well, when, I just tried to help by buying all of them even though I wasn't reading it. <laughs> when, when you showcased the issue the first time around and showed the art, it it's gorgeous. just Oh, spectacular! It's it's just it's like Mike Mike Del Mundo. I mean, every, everybody's seen his covers, and you know, and you've you've probably seen the art for uh, for Electra, but you know, it just it doesn't stop. Wow! Like it just it keeps going, and yeah. it's so intricate, and there's so many different colors. The stuff that he like, the colors that he's using are kind of reminiscent of. Um, oh my God, she's going to be on the the Angela book, Stephanie Hans. Stephanie Hans. Yeah. Um, her covers for Journey into Mystery, huh. uh, particularly the um, that event that started. Man, I am bad with the names tonight. The one Exiled or something like that. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, those covers, a lot of those colors return to this. And you know the the break in the art um, for the for, for those two issues that I mentioned. It's a little bit. It's a little bit jarring. It's not. It's not as good. It's a little skewed and stuff like it. that. What's that, Joey? Who was the artist? It's Alex Sanchez. Okay. Uh, with uh, colors by Esther Sands. It's not. It's not bad. Um, it's the writing is so good and so strong that it just, it doesn't even it doesn't even matter. By mm. that time, by the end of that first arc, you're so into this and you're so into this journey and this mission that she's trying to see out to the end that like you don't even care. You just blow right through it and then you come back to number eight and boom you're right back into del mundo territory and it's going to finish strong with him being on the book till the end and it's just it's just going to be sick mm. it's so, awesome yeah awesome awesome so electro one through eight yeah pick them all up all right all of them <laughs> i think it ends in february i think february is yeah. the last issue. first trades out now one through five uh that's the del mundo stuff and then um you can pick up six uh through eight in your local comic shop all right 
All right, so I'll close out our book of the week here. Um, so I, I mentioned before we talked about One Roman. I talked about another um, female-led uh, book with a new team that I thought did a great job, and that was Supergirl, uh, number 36. Um, Kate Perkins is n- the new co-writer with uh, Michael Johnson, who's been writing Supergirl for a, a, a long time, and Emanuela Lupacino is the is the new artist. And I want to read quickly, just this is something that Kate Perkins said when she was announced as a new the new Supergirl writer. Mm -hmm. Um, She said that Supergirl should be smart, tough, strong-willed, and curious. Um, And she says, I don't want to see any more strong female characters in media get passive or make bad choices because of a romantic relationship or because their journey gets too difficult. No one has time for that (laughs) any longer. I certainly don't. That broken record is played much too often. Ouch. Amen. Wow. Which is funny in the light of what we the other book we just yeah, talked about. Um, it's, it's a direct like line from it. Creepy. Obviously, that came out a few months ago. But so, Supergirl uh, when it started out in New Fifty Two, Steve and I were both very big fans of Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, great, great stuff. Got um, me onto got it. Got Bob too. onto it as well. And then it kind of got murked up in uh, one of those one hell of the, on earth. Hell on that earth. That's it. what it was. That was the one. <laughs> And the, the creative teams changed, and then it was just... It, then it was Red Lantern territory. Yeah, yeah, and then it was Red... And I was already done reading about the Red Lantern stuff. Yeah, me too. Um, and, and, but now we're past that, and quickly in the first page, d- dresses the stuff that happens at, in, in the, the past of the character, and so we're moving on from here. Okay. And um, she's working in a coffee shop, trying to fit in, and that seems like the way the book's going to go, and then suddenly she gets kind of warped up or warped somewhere to this kind of weird alien planet where she's being put through these tests by these people. And, they, and they've announced what the book's about. She's come, kind of called the Crucible Academy, which okay. is it, it, they train important cosmic people to be great. Ooh. So it's where she's going to kind of learn to be Supergirl, not just someone who has Supergirl's powers. That's cool. A uh, couple of characters, Captain Comet, who's now just Comet mm-hmm. in the book is one of her trainers. And they said what Kate Bergen says, she's kind of, kind of like a Scooby gang. Um, uh, of people to, to help her, Whoa. you know, fight the 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 big bads that Supergirl might might encounter. Uh, the art by Emmanuel Lupacino is great. Um, it's kinetic when it needs to be kinetic, like it, and, and personal when it needs to be personal. You know, I think that's what all great art can do. And it's bright and big and colorful. And you know, Supergirl looks great. Uh, the action scenes are, are fun, and the writing by Kate Perkins and Mike Johnson is really, really solid. Um, it's a great characterization of Kara. It, it makes me want to see what comes next. It makes me excited to see what mm. the adventures she's going to get into because it seems like there's going to be emphasis on adventure. That was going to be my question. Story. Yeah, am I am I going back? I think you should go back. All yes. right, thirty six is great. Bob got a chance to look through yeah. it before we started. And it struck me the early sequences. Just as those first issues did, it's a yeah, it's a stranger in a strange land. She's trying to fit in. It doesn't ignore what came before. She mentions her friend Siobhan mm-hmm. from the the first run, mm-hmm. nice, and she's playing her music and so on and so forth. It is fun, mm-hmm. but with consequence and meaning. Right. And that's a gr- there's that's adventure for you. That's how it all works. And I I may be back too. Yeah, Lauren and I were uh, looking at it in tour. She she bought it, and and I and I, I told her to let me know what her thoughts were uh because she had felt the same you know the same that we all did mm-hmm. with the uh couple of the previous runs but that's awesome that's really cool um yeah i have a couple things that i gotta grab tomorrow so i'll add that to the list she's got this yeah. sweet booster gold mask that she's wearing yeah. through a lot of it <laughs> which is pretty awesome now is that a special suit for the school yes okay. it is yeah it is um that's awesome that's really good to to hear that that's back yeah and i like the fact that 
one of the things I like the most about it is actually is them taking her out of the fray and putting her into her own area and yeah. kind of letting the character develop and and move and become what it's going to become. And like, even though she was on Earth for a lot of what happened in that initial run, that's what a lot of what the initial run was about, right? Her sorting out who she mm-hmm. was in a very much more extreme circumstance because she didn't speak English, she didn't know what was going on. Here it's a little different. Now she now it's almost like that's kind of the adolescence, and now this is the young adulthood almost. You oh, that's know, perfect uh, yeah. of her her journey in the New Fifty Two, and you know, I I had never really read any Supergirl before. I read the New Fifty Two stuff, and I thought that it what, what they did in New Fifty Two is they made the character seem very interesting and vital, and I feel like they're doing a similar thing here, um, and I I want to see what what. I just hope that it's not another short thing truncated by something else, but I feel like taking her out of that area, putting her in her own section of the universe makes her less susceptible to being drawn into, you know, kind of yeah. other Superman line, at least events. Keeps her out of harm's way. Here, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy that it was as good as it was. You know, I knew the new team was coming, but I hadn't been keeping up with it. And of course, Rob was like, you want to read this? It's the new team. And I was like, okay. And so I grabbed it and I read it. Um, And really, really great. Supergirl number 36. He has Uh, such power. He does. He does. (laughs) Kay Perkins, Michael Johnson, and Emanuela Lupacino. Yeah. There's not too much to say about it yet. It's the beginning of the story, but definitely something people should be checking out. Very good beginning. Very good beginning. And now... um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I need a drink. Do a whole podcast about about this next book. Um, So The Multiversity Pax Americana... Uh, by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. So, th- um, <laughs> I don't even know how to begin to speak about uh, Pax Americana. I will say, first of all, that I thought it was awesome. Uh, unbelievably beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. And was a complete and utter mind fuck from the beginning <laughs> to end. <laughs> As is often the case with Morrison yes, and Quitely. Yes, it's true. Joey, are you reading this stuff, by the way? I'm not, but I'm familiar with Morrison Quietly. Okay. So what you basically have here is Morrison and Quietly, they're doing Earth 4, which is the Charlton characters. Um, the Question, the Blue Beetle, uh, was there Nightshade? Yeah. Nightshade, um, Captain Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, these characters that the that DC bought in the 70s and incorporated into their universe which Alan Moore wanted to use for the Watchmen, but they said they couldn't use them, so he did the facsimiles of yeah. them, which are, if you know the Charlton characters, so the question is Rorschach, Blue Beetle, mm-hmm. you know, um, Night Owl, so on and so forth. So what Grant Morrison is doing here is he's doing the Charlton characters, and he's doing kind of riff on their history, but he's also doing a riff on Alan Moore's Watchmen yeah. as well, because mm-hmm. it's very much paneled out in some instances, very much like Watchmen. Um, well, it starts going backwards. Yes. <laughs> and one of the first big images is this blood running down yep. this round seal, which if it could very well be the comedian's button, for, you know, if, right. if, if, if it wasn't the presidential yep. seal. So the imagery is very strong here. The, the characters themselves, I mean, we don't get much of um, the, the comedian facsimile. Uh, yeah. Um, so the the peacemaker as as he is right. in the Charlton universe's original form, but when the, the the question here is very much Rorschachian, he's not um, as much like the question as you might 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 believe, and also the Ted Cord Beetle is very much like Night Owl, yeah. but 
the th- and and the Captain Adam is very much like Doctor Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah. Now it's weird because and again, this is one of those Grant Morrison things. And I, the whole kind of theme of the book is, you know, w- things don't really end, they don't really begin. They're all circular. They all feed into each other, and they all relate to each other. So you could say that Grant Morrison is copying or ripping off Grant Morrison, but not Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison Alan ripping Moore. off Alan Moore, but Alan Moore himself is ripping off other previously done characters. Yes. So it's like a ripoff of a ripoff of a ripoff that somehow st- makes it new. Can be completely original. <laughs> yeah. um, America. America. Right. <laughs> so the, the book begins with the assassination of the president of the United States, but there's no mystery to who did it. You see it happening in reverse. So you see the aftermath through the bullet going through the skull up into where the bullet came out of, and then you're into interrogating the man who yeah. killed him. Now, the rest of the book, I, the best way I can imagine is, if you haven't read this book, to think about Watchmen and think about the way Dr. Manhattan perceives reality, how it's all happening at one time and it's all going on at the same time, and it can be the end and the beginning and the past and the future. That's the way this book is written and laid out. So you are getting sometimes very traditional flashback, you know, cause and effect flashback. The question is investigating a crime scene. You're seeing what happened at that crime scene before that happened. But then you're just getting tossed around from, you know, from place to place. And the only real way to designate what area you're in is who's alive and <laughs> how old they are. That's the only ways you can really do The president who dies in the first thing as an older man, you see him popping up in these other scenes as a younger man. Um, but it deals in a lot of the stuff that Watchmen deals in, you know, the president dies, the new, new president's like, superheroes are done. They're over. That's it. And so you kind of get this hunting down of, of the question, much like Rorschach mm-hmm. is the last remaining superhero kind of not registered and, and not doing the government's work. Um, he's obsessed with this crime that happened, this, this death of the first superhero and what it all means to their entire existence. And, Whereas in Watchmen, it's a red herring, the mystery. In Pax Americana, it's vital to the whole situation. And you have to read it more than once to really get everything that's going on and to look at the context clues. But one of the things that's genius about it is that if you look, each time frame and each jump is connected by a connected tissue of some line or imagery, um, which I think is great. And the things they deal with with Captain Adam and kind of who he is and where he's going and and how he perceives time and and the, what life and death are, I think are great. And I think they're just as powerful as when they're done in Watchmen with Alan Moore. Uh, it's an amazingly dense issue. It's an amazingly difficult issue to parse through. But I think that, to me, it's the, the, accompli- the, the, the top accomplishment so far of this series. I think it does the thing that... I was kind of expecting all of it to do, and I've loved all of it, but I've been I've been surprised in a lot of ways by the Grant Morrison we get in each and every one of the different issues. This mm-hmm. is the Grant Morrison I tend to really connect to more, and I I loved pretty much every every page and every every panel of it. Bob, what did you think? It is very difficult to read. Yes, <laughs> and I've been reading comic books for a half a century, mm-hmm. but you you start to look at a page that looks like a regular page, yeah. that isn't, yeah, that now needs to be read. I'm looking. Here's the the center spread. I don't. Do you read this diagonally like, like a tic tac toe board? <laughs> it's it's a murder sequence. And this once you realize, oh wait, that's the center. I had to go back through this three times. Yeah, yeah. And, but it all does make sense, and it yet still is connected mm-hmm. 
to the overall theme of this it thing is, because yeah. the haunted comic book is in here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Along with Steve Ditko's Ayn Rand mm-hmm. w- with, with the question, you, you've got all the, the big timey stuff that Captain M didn't really get to, but Dr. Manhattan did. Yeah. And that's here. It's loss and love and hate and action, mm-hmm. and your brain's going to explode. <laughs> but it is absolutely it is absolutely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. See, what did you think of it? I I loved it. Mm-hmm. I appreciated it. Um, I feel like I made a mistake. I sat down and I read one through four oh, in, boy. Whoa. in one <laughs> shot. <laughs> And I'm like, this is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have all my ducks in a row. It's gonna be a ride. And by the time that I got to four, I was so spent, and I knew that it was a big deal because everybody was tweeting him. They, oh, you got to tweet me after you're done reading it. And I sat down to read it, and oh my god, oh my god. I think for all four, it took almost two hours for me to read all four, <laughs> mm-hmm. just because of how dense the presentation of this multiversity, you know, story is and wanting to appreciate it and not rush it and stuff like that. But even as painstakingly as I poured over the concepts and each panel and all the characters and stuff, I still did not see a fraction of what you just described in (laughs) in your introduction to this book. So thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I did not get the Watchmen stuff. Mm. I see it clear as day now (laughs) that I'm looking at it when you mention it. But, um, uh, it's one page where um, see, I don't even know who the hell they are. Uh, the 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 woman who's supposed to be, I guess, the Silk Specter, Nightshade, Nightshade, yeah. and who's us? That's the president. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there. Yeah, see, this is this is how much I understood it. Um, the page where they're walking down the steps. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's talking to her about like beginnings and endings and mm. reflections and compromise and all these things. That the way that you have to read it mm-hmm. is it goes from left to right to right, to left, to left. And it it zigzags as you're going down the steps, you're following the panels. And it, I mean, I don't know if it was meant to do this, but it just, it made me question the entire concept of reading comics as a whole and the things that we as comic book readers do to read comics, the way that we need to piece everything together, the way we need to follow the art, the way we need to like, recognize certain things like if you have a word bubble that's creeping into another panel you know that you're supposed to go there Mm -hmm. or if somebody's you know kicking or something and their foot is off into the next page you have to follow off to the right page Mm -hmm. and then you know double back around if you want to read it properly it might take you a scan of the page to figure that out but once you do things read better the way they were intended so on and so forth but um like I stopped at this page for a good like fifteen minutes. I went to go make a sandwich, and I just thought about that one thing. <laughs> um, and then I came back to it, and then I I had to take a nap mm. when uh, when I was done reading it because my head was about to explode. Mm-hmm. Um, but highly, super, super entertaining, and you know I am for this show and just in general, I am forever searching for comics that do something different for me that entertain me in a way that you know comics never have and this was one of those like super cerebral reads that it wasn't just like one concept that i got to play with out of it i got to play with like 16 Mm -hmm. you know i can't list them all right now because we don't have time but um just a real treat uh to to read and to to pine over and i'll be i'll be really excited to sit down and read it again with all of the new information in my head and kind of read it Something you could read again and have a completely different perspective on it. Probably a couple of passes. Yeah. Oh no, there's a lot. 
Yeah. There's a lot yeah. to get through here. No, it's a, it's a really, really exciting uh, book. And, and, you know, the writing especially, and the, the art is beautiful, but the way that Grant Morrison is playing with these different universes and their and different worlds that this, the series is so varied in its presentation and mm-hmm. every issue has its own flavor and its own vibe and its own characters and its own consequences, even though it all leads back to this one thing. And it's just so weird. Yeah. And I love weird. It's very, very weird. <laughs> I was very happy that considering the title of this, mm-hmm. that we come down to near the end to the speech by John Kennedy. I think it was mm-hmm. at American university talking about how we, we and the Russians in the midst of the cold war and everything all inhabit the same earth and breathe the same air. Yeah. And it's not a Pax Americana that we impose on everyone else. And then the, it's as with his assassination, the anniversary, which we just passed, here's this yeah. moment that things change mm-hmm. and the world's different from that point mm-hmm. on. And it's just a really wonderful little throwback to real history and comic history and how they intersect and, it's just crazy, crazy stuff. And we're looking at the next issue yeah. being like a fun romp with the Shazam people. Yeah, Thunderworld like, <laughs> next time around. Yeah, I mean... Sounds fantastic. Yeah, this yeah. is... This is this whole multiversity thing is... The, you know, I was saying we started, I hope I get we get the Grant Morrison that I love, the one that makes me think crazy thoughts mm-hmm. and it's like an idea factory. It's just like shooting yeah. out ideas at you and... That's exactly what we've gotten in, in, in these. I think it's four now. This is the fourth. This fourth. Um, all of them have, have done something different. They've been crazy big ideas. And it's crazy to think that this we started this with what now seems like the traditional multiversity, yeah. the first issue, you know, to, to this, which is just insane. And who knows what the next one's going to be? Who knows what the next one's going to be? And who, who knows if they're all going to tie together in that last kind of bookend yeah. issue? But the great thing about this, and he said this, this sorry, well, you can read this not knowing anything about multiversity or what's going on. And you might understand it anyway, because it's crazy and you had to read it six times, but it's, it's definitely a standalone thing you can read. Just if you are interested in that sort of Charlton, the Charlton characters are playing off the Alan Moore Watchmen stuff or whatever. It, I think it works in all those ways. And it's goddamn gorgeous too. It really, really is. I, I must take in, it must take in like eight years for Frank quietly to do it because he, he doesn't work fast. So, <laughs> And this is different for him. It is. I mean, yeah, it's definitely the, like you can definitely see it there, but. right? Well, in the images, yeah. But the layouts. Oh, the layouts are, are totally the, different. Yeah. Yes, the layouts are great. I mean, it's it is very like that, that Dave Gibbons type of yes. thing going on there. Yeah. How absolutely. many panels do you think are in that thing? I don't know. A lot. There's some that have, they have like well over 400. They have like eight. Some have eight a page. Some have more. Some have twelve a page. You know, it's, it's pretty one, intense. There's one page where there's like 40-something panels. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Is it oversized or is yeah. it standard? The, the wow. book, the, it's more extra pages. Yeah, the book yeah. is 40 pages. Yeah. Wow. All the multiversity books have been 40 pages. Wow. Um, yeah, and there's that one page where, where the, the question has the guy pinned underneath the thing, yeah. and he's, you can't even read the dialogue. It's behind his yeah. head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But it's 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 amazing, definitely. Pax Americana, the multiversity Pax Americana, Grant Morrison, Frank Wiley, with colors by Nathan Fairbrain. I want to want to make sure we say that because colors are also great mm-hmm. in it. Um, check that out. All right, and that's gonna do it for books of the week. Uh, we're gonna take a little break. We'll come right back, and we're going to talk about what we're thankful for in the world of comics.
right, we are back, and we're here to talk about what we're thankful for in the world of comics. It is Thanksgiving, and we want to be positive going into the holiday. Um, before we get into that, though, I want to ask, I think we talked about this last year a little bit, but I want to re-ask, Bob, what are you doing for Thanksgiving this year? Going to a friend's where the cooking will begin for about 12 Okay. Uh, while consuming many mimosas. Nice. Mimosas are great. <laughs> yeah. I will be making well, my cheesecakes in the refrigerator already. I'm very jealous. Okay. <laughs> uh, Got to make some sautéed carrots, brown sugar, garlic, mm-hmm. the whole jazz like that. And Delicious. I'm in, charge, I'm in charge of gravy. All right. Bob makes a mean gravy, so good hands. <laughs> Steve, what are you up to for Thanksgiving? I am going to my sister's house. I'm going to awesome. go to my sister's, and um, I'm going to hang around with uh, some family my aunt is uh, fresh out of a almost terminal situation. Hmm. I got to spend some time with her. I got to spend about a half hour with her the other night, and it was wonderful to be in her company. Uh, her and I had a lot to talk about. So I'm looking forward to spending time with her, spending time with the kids. And then I am uh, breaking out of there and going over to my friend Brendan's house to share uh, what will probably be their dinner uh, and dessert because they eat way late mm. uh, whenever they do anything. And um, so I'll do the hectic family stuff at the start and kind of save myself and then go over to Brendan's where I can relax and be me and play video games and eat food at my leisure and <laughs> maybe have a drink or two. I'm not really that big of a drinker, but it's going to be fun. Nice. What are you, what are you doing? Um, well, this is the first year that Karen and I are having to like split up the holidays. Oh, um, so we're doing dinner at my parents and then dessert at, at her parents. Nice. Um, and my brother um, and his partner and my grandfather are going to be here for Thanksgiving, so awesome. that'll be nice. That's awesome. Um, my sister and I every year we do like a bake off. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. we did pies the first two years. So the first year I made um, a pecan pie bourbon pecan pie and the second year i made a raspberry um cream pie um and this year we're not doing pies we're doing cupcakes oh so i'm doing maple bacon cupcakes what i'm coming to yours for (laughs) dessert so what's your frosting cream cheese so i'm buttercream i'm for the first time ever bacon just bacon just Just bacon just put two slices of bacon on the the cupcake i mean you ever seen uh was epic meal time have you watched oh yes bacon um so uh this is the first time i'm ever making my own frosting um we, we got a stand mixer for the wedding so that's good i can use yeah, that to it make helps things. it helps to cream the stuff yeah. yeah but making everything from scratch um i, I believe that i brought the, about the ingredients yesterday okay um i believe it's buttercream so it's butter confectioner sugar yes so yes it's pretty simple maple flavoring and some other st- some other yeah. stuff in there as well but uh yeah so now because you're because you're married now yeah. Do you get to have Karen help you? Are you now a team, or no, your sister has to go solo? Oh, no. Lindsay, Lindsay, yeah, would Lindsay will not. Throw a fit. I was going to say because I don't think your sister would stand for that. <laughs> I know. I think Karen's actually going to join in next year. She's going to join the Bake Off, but right. uh, yeah. So I'm excited about that. Lindsay is making these things called TPs, which are like cupcakes that are made inside sugar cones. Oh my like god! Sugar ice cream cones. Wow. Yeah. What? I didn't even know what they were. I thought she was like fucking with me i was like what kind of what flavor cupcakes you make you like tp and i was like oh she's just being an idiot like she's saying you know she doesn't want to tell me and so she's like what are you making i was like i'm not telling you you didn't tell me she goes i absolutely did tell you so i looked it up yeah they're like upside down ice cream cones and inside of them is the 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 cupcake that sounds amazing yeah so we'll see it's gonna be a knockdown drag out this year i want to tell you a secret about buttercream you should know all right bob let me know you want to be very careful about how long you let them stay 
frosted. Okay. Last minute. Oh, you mean frosting the actual cupcakes? Yes. Yeah, buttercream doesn't have the longest shelf life, and yeah. the wrong temperature kind of gets goopy. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to do it right before uh, yeah, perfect. We, we go there. I'm um, going to bake the cupcakes probably the night before. Absolutely. There you got it. Yeah, you got then, it. Yeah, I know. Because you got to let them cool, because them cool. otherwise they melt, and you've got a buttered bagel instead yeah. of a cupcake. <laughs> also well. delicious, but I don't think it's going to win the contest. So No. Um, but I, I'm never really done like the... The bacon desserts are kind of like a big thing yeah. now, but I haven't really done them before, so I'm excited to try it. Who who picks the winner? The family picks the winner, but they always cheese out. They're always like, you both win. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and my sister and I are like, this is bullshit. <laughs> if you want next year. I'll, I'll just have, I'll just have I'll I'll Bob make the cheesecake. cheesecake. I'll just bring it. <laughs> winner. No, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll make it on. here. Yeah. We'll make a cheesecake. That would be amazing. <laughs> uh, Joey, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh Going to my parents' house for Thanksgiving, got a bunch of family coming over. A cousin of mine uh, who lives in California goes to school at MIT, and he's not going to fly home for Thanksgiving, so we're hosting mm-hmm. him at, at my parents' house, uh, which is cool. Um, and something that we always try to do, uh, my girlfriend and I, um, is go back to the, the high school football game. Because awesome. we went to high school um, – and obviously my parents still live in town and uh, we were in the marching band and everything and, and we go back and see the band director and see the marching band and all of that. It's it's fun. They usually do the game uh, Thursday morning. I think it's Thursday morning. Sometimes yeah. they yeah. do it Wednesday night. So if the schedule doesn't work, I guess we're not going to go, but we'd like <laughs> to hopefully do that Thursday morning. In a snowstorm. Yeah. Could be fun. Oh, what what two teams? What teams are playing? Um, it's just the, the high school teams. North Brunswick plays South Brunswick. That's where I grew up. Oh, they're rivalry yep. too. Yep, That's yep. great. <laughs> it's like Army Navy. Yep. Yeah, I don't know anybody anymore, other than obviously the, the band director. But it's always nice to see yeah. something that you know you, you used to be a part of and and see it still going on. So very cool. Okay, now what about Black Friday? <laughs> Does any, is anybody doing any of those wait on wait for games, wait for deals at no. midnight or no. some craziness? No, no, thank you. My my yeah. day after Thanksgiving is spent doing absolutely nothing. Good <laughs> here. Yeah, no, yeah. No stores in my future. Okay. I, I mean, having worked in retail for a couple of years, a couple of very big chain stores, I never ever want to see those inside yeah. those stores yeah. ever again. Yeah, <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> the deals are around some other way than yeah. tearing your your liver out by. Yeah. Fighting to get deals like getting trampled for. Yeah, yeah, yeah if I'm if I'm feeling that. adventurous, like later in the day, like after noon, I'll see what's left in like the the dregs and like the post apocalyptic yeah. landscape <laughs> of the Best Buy or something. I think it was, as, long as, as long as they have really good Blu-ray deals of like five dollars for like some newer Blu-rays and stuff yeah. like that, I'll grab a couple of those. But but now a lot of stuff's happening is a lot of those kind of deals kind of carry over the whole weekend. Like yeah. GameStop does it the whole weekend. Yeah, GameStop's and, deals are terrible this year. Yeah, but they're really yeah, yeah. well. They're they're never good, but yeah. they're especially yeah. like. Just get with it, you know. You're the, you're the the top games retailer, and you you just you're not doing it right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no Black Friday. But I, my the thing I'm looking forward to most Thanksgiving is my mom's stuffing. That's the thing I'm looking forward uh, to. The what's most. her stuffing? You know, I don't I don't really uh, bacon. She makes it from sc- bacon. bacon. <laughs> she makes it from scratch. Sa- sausage. Um, yeah, there's sausage in there. Okay. Yeah, she cooks it partly in the turkey as well. That's obviously, the way to do it. Um, it's really really great though. Mushrooms, yes. Oysters, no mushrooms. yes. No oysters. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, nuts, apples? No, no nuts or apples. Oh, I'm liking this. <laughs> Simple, I'm, direct, spiced properly. Spiced wonderfully. Yeah. I'm not a big... I have a very big... This is obviously very on topic. I have a very yeah, big... It's a great topic. ...problem um, with meshing together different food textures. Like, I don't like... 
like um like I like crunchy stuff and I like you know more like soggy stuff, but I don't like when you mix them together. So like mm. I don't like celery in my egg salad. Like I'm not that. I, yeah. I just don't like it. You know, like apples in my chicken salad. You know, great. Uh, so same thing with stuffing. I don't want like big crunchy things in yeah. there. I want I want it to be the same consistency. A huh. couple of onions, not so bad. Well, no, onions are fine. Onions they get onions right, become get part soft, of the, part right. of the. Yeah. No, the, I'm with you. Yeah, you get a big hunk of apple and. Oh. Yeah. How do you put that on a sandwich afterwards? You make a turkey sandwich, right? Yeah. You got layers of you know mm-hmm. some lettuce, some mayo, some stuffing. Yeah. Some turkey, some cranberries. You know, nice crunchy bread or whatever. Is I get so jealous every year. I can't eat. I I can't eat at Thanksgiving. So I I just you drink. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I really don't. Um, I hang back. I have a little bit of stuffing, and I have you know some of that stuff, but. It doesn't matter what I do. I have I have stomach issues. So every year, you know, everybody's so like gushing and celebrating <laughs> and they everybody took such time to like painstaking and make these things. Everybody's just sitting back and they're rubbing their bellies and oh my god. And I'm just like that guy. <laughs> that's you know, a little bit of cranberry sauce on my plate and that's <laughs> I call it a day. But um I do I do enjoy getting together with family and, and you know reflecting on things that we're thankful for. That's my favorite part of Thanksgiving. Um, Segway. Yeah, into what we're thankful <laughs> for in comics. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're thankful for in comics. I mean, it's not, we'll go around the room, but I mean, I don't have like a set number of things. I just have a couple of things written down um, to, yeah. to, to chat about. Um, I'll start out. I for, One of the things I'm very thankful for is sex criminals. Well, the comic, the comic <laughs> series written by uh, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. Um, I premiered last year, but I, I feel like it's been probably my favorite book of, of the last year. And uh, it's funny and emotional and completely fucking nuts. And I, I love all that. And, I, and more than that, I, I even think I even love it more the, the way it's brought out, like the personalities of the two people. Yeah. And one of the things we obviously didn't talk about in the news thing is that Chip Zdarsky and Joe Konos are doing a Howard the Duck ongoing series, Absurd. which is which is freaking awesome. You know, it's like a fever dream come to life or something. Uh, I don't, can't even imagine what's going to be like with Chip writing it. Um, but their personalities and how they come to the fore and how they've really become. I mean, Fraction Matt was already you know very big presence in the comic book world, but I feel like in this last year he's kind of become one of the the top few names and I feel like a lot has to do with the the, the success of that book and the, the wild runaway crossover success of that book and I'm thankful for that and thankful that the book will seem to be going on for a long time and that we're gonna get a lot more of it so yeah, yeah. thankful for sex criminals absolutely cool. Steve, what are you thankful for? I took a different approach with this of course because <laughs> I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Uh, what we were going to be doing. So I might have to get a little bit mushy. I'll try to think of something a little bit more uh, along the lines of books in a little bit. Um, but one of the things that I'm thankful for in comics is the way that um, the way that art tells a story. And when I think of like what I'm thankful for in comics, I'm trying to think of like the actual comic books and what they do for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about them is how how important the art is and how expressive comic book art can be and that you don't you don't get this kind of you know presentation of art and story anywhere else you know we've had a couple of silent you know silent to near silent issues this year um of highly highly expressive things one of those books that i just read was um the undertaking of lily chen where just whole pages of you know, people picturing the afterlife and, and what it might look like and 
these these beautiful vistas with all these different watercolors and stuff like that. And the idea that I can evoke that much spirit and that much story out of these drawings and these paintings and these inkings and colorings and all of this stuff, and that the people creating these stories have found a way to take things from their imagination and put it on the page and, you know, work in collaboration with these artists and writers to present this story to you that the art is very much kind of like, if you think about like cave paintings from all the way, way back where all they had were, you know, drawings on a wall that told a story and they unearthed these, you know, epic battles between man and beast. And now we're doing this, have been doing it in a weekly format for so many years but that it's like it's its own it's its own beast, its own corner of, of the entertainment world um, and being in the thick of it and just watching all of these stories come to life through the art. Um, I'm just thankful to be like conscious of that and aware of it and enjoying it um, where four years ago I was not. Mm-hmm. And now here we are and being entrenched in it, you know, for for a number of years now and scrutinizing it and analyzing it and doing all these things with the show and everything. Um, I never, I never lose sight of that appreciation. Like that part of it never goes away uh, for me. And that was especially with when I read Electra uh, yesterday and looking at all the Mike Del Mundo stuff and like hearing music as I'm reading this book hmm. and that stuff's not there, but it is if you can, if you can extract it out of the art. So just, being super impressed with people's ability to create with, you know, art and, and story. All right, cool. Um, Joey. Uh, I'll kind of go off of Steve's there a little bit too. And one of the things that I'm thankful for in, in comics is that, is it's, is that comics is more so than really anything else that I can think of a versatile, legitimately all ages kind of, industry medium whatever you want to call it um whether it's the characters you know i for christmas i'm gonna buy my nine month old cousin a spider-man toy or something like that um to my students i can teach a graphic novel i approach the literature that i teach differently because i read comics um to obviously the stuff that we do too that the the industry the medium is just so versatile has such um such reach and touches so many people from nine months to ninety years that um, that I, I'm grateful for that. Um, particularly in the sense that I can't remember what the, the where I was going with. It. Oh, particularly in the sense that um, as the characters, as the stories go beyond the comic book into film, into television, you know, it, onto the internet, into the community. And into kind of social media and all of that, um, to see its reach, to see how many lives it touches, is I think all goes back to the the versatility of the medium, the versatility of comics, and I'm and I'm grateful that uh, it allows us to to do that kind of thing. Awesome, awesome, Bob. I think we are going to start tying things together because I'll tie into something Joey said. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm really thankful for the new growing emphasis on genre busting titles that there are books that couldn't have existed five years ago there are books like sex criminals and there's saga and there's black science there's afterlife with archie there's all these odd mashups pretty deadly and we go on and on and on through science fiction horror 
there's Lumberjanes and they're, they're kids' books, they're kids for his, whether it's My Little Pony or Princeless, or we mm-hmm. go on through this. And some of it's in our big two. They're playing catch up to what all these amazing indie publishers and creator owned books have tried to do to bring this industry back to where it was. When you see those pictures of a comic book rack from the 50s mm-hmm. and see crime books and Millie the Model and all this sort of stuff, there are books for everybody. Boys, girls, the whole mess, all ages, whether you want to read Tales from the Crypt or Little Lulu, there was there. And it's starting to happen. It's mm-hmm. not fast enough, but it's starting to happen. I'm real thankful we're starting to move in that direction again. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go and, back uh, to five cents. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there were the only five cent books were nickel comics. It was one company. That's where Bullet Man was. <laughs> Comic books were a dime. They were always a dime. But you got 64 pages for that well, dime. Well, I could splurge. Yeah, to five cents. Um, one of the things I'm thankful for, and you mentioned getting there but not there yet, is Joey mentioned this earlier too when he was first talking about Wonder Woman. It seems like things are turning. You know, that the mm-hmm. industry for especially women right now, it's starting to change. It's starting to get better. And is it is it where it's supposed to be? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But from where we even were two years ago, um, when, you know, the – when Kelly Sue's Captain Marvel, you know, came mm-hmm. out to where we are now and how I feel like when that book came out, it was the outlier. And now it seems books like the new Wonder Woman are going to be the outlier, right? That things have started to shift and change where now the opinion isn't, when you see something like that, the opinion isn't, there'll be one kind of dissenting, you know, in quotes, feminist who doesn't, you know, who wants to gum up the works mm-hmm to it being the other way around, you know, where there seems to be an over overwhelmingly negative response to things that are exploitative and a small group of people who are stuck in a world where they got to run things and they don't like the change yes. that, that that's coming anymore. Um, I'm thankful that we are pushing towards that. And I'm, what I'm extra thankful for is that there are people willing to push that because that's what you need. And, you know, as... As for dudes, there's only so much you know we can do, or even we should do, right? Because it's not it, it, this is this is not people that need fighting for. Like there are people who yeah. are, are are people and are able to do everything that they could ever want to do on their own. And I mean, we saw what happened at the Women in Marvel panel. I mean, I only got to hear about it secondhand, but the but the reaction to it and and the, the things that were said mm-hmm. um, are, are extremely powerful and extremely moving and. With people like Kelly Sue leading the way, and people like the people who 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 write for our site, like Mara and Nikki and Stephanie and Melissa, you know these are people who who push every day and who do amazing work. And it doesn't matter what what their what their gender is; they just do amazing stuff. Yeah. And as they keep pushing, it's gonna just keep getting better because you can only ignore people for so long if they stick around and keep and keep and keep saying what needs to be said and i'm thankful that there are people around who are saying what needs to be said and people who are listening amen to that that would, yeah. that would be one mm-hmm. of mine too can i just uh, we'll expand on it yeah. yeah. I mean, well, well what i it's that changing face of fandom mm-hmm. yeah and the creators that are now starting to bubble up through this where a couple of years ago yeah kelly sue was an outlier just mm. by being a woman writing mm. a major character this way or relaunching a character for a major company where now we're seeing there were 17 women at one point on the stage at the women of marvel panel yeah. And it was editors, writers, inkers, painters, young adult novelists. 
And even DC, they didn't let us ask any questions, but they're on their stage. It's changing. Mm -hmm. And that changes the books. It changes the culture. We are looking at a seismic shift to back the way the things were before. That equilibrium that I talked about in my piece, it's happening. What I'll say, though, we do have a job as men. Our job is to call out the behavior oh, yeah. of the morons yeah. yep. who, look, you, you don't want to like something, don't like it. That doesn't give you a free reign to attack someone anonymously, to hack into bank accounts, to make death threats. There was a death threat. It was one of the gamer gay things while Kelly Sue was there where she was mentioned in somebody's death threat mm-hmm. while she was standing there at the panel. <sighs> yeah. It's like, what, you know, this is supposed to be a medium that celebrates heroism. Yeah. So how is that cowardice? The the message you took from reading comic books and reading about mm. Captain America and Superman. Yeah. You, people go away. Go away and stay away. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw that what, um, I mean, the Gamergate thing is obviously a whole other issue and it's atrocious and horrible and a Ugh. huge step back for, for that yeah. industry. Yeah. Um, and hopefully nothing that extreme happens yeah. here. I mean, it, it's, and you're absolutely right. You know, it, it's behavior that needs to be stopped at every level, you know? It, it it starts as little as you know someone saying something slightly misogynistic when you're younger and everyone laughing at it and it being okay. You know it's your job as a person if you don't think it's okay to say something because that behavior gets landed over a while mm-hmm. and it, and then people people aren't even doing it thinking it's malicious. They're just doing it because they think that's the way things are supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. And we had a responsibility as men to not let that behavior be what defines masculinity. You know because that's not what masculinity is. It's it, masculinity is not putting people down or threatening people or exerting your will over other people. That's yeah. not what it is. And it needs to be ingrained in, in every, every man that that's not what it is, you know? And for some, it's, it's too late. You know, it sucks to say yeah. that for some, it's too fucking late, but you, the, it needs to be pressed as, as hard yeah, as absolutely. possible. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Steve. Yeah. What else are you thankful for? <laughs> I was going to save this for the end, but I might as well jump in with it now to to piggyback off of uh, what we're all saying here. Is um, I'm really I'm thankful for the fans. I'm I'm thankful. I mean to to you know I did this last year and I'll probably do it again next year. And I'm going to do it today. I'm going to give us some credit um, because I'll tell you something: the fans that we have and the friends that we've made. Uh, through this website, through this podcast, through Twitter, through the forums, through all that stuff, you know, for all the the terrible stuff and all the you know backpedaling and all the all the garbage that happened throughout the year, it seemed like for a long time that every now like every time you turn around, there's another bad comic book story. Um, one of the places that has remained pretty much safe from that stuff and has been hate free has been the Talking Comics community and as an extension, the Misfits community and the Talking Games community. And anybody that's kind of joined in with us on this, you know, podcast adventure and and our stories and our love for books and stuff like that. Um, I was watching a video from uh, one of our listeners, Amy. She's uh, at Good Evening on Twitter. She created a video not too long ago where she was talking about being a woman in a comic book store. And towards the end, she makes direct mention of talking comics and she, yeah, she mentions us all by name and she points out the fact that we are, you know, that there are men on the podcast that are speaking about female characters and female readers and just, you know, females in general as being, you know, nothing short of equals. And that's one of the things that we founded ourselves upon and have, you know, 
try to live up to every week um to hear it recognized in the way that she did and the way that she spoke about us really really warmed my heart and really just made me kind of look around and look in the forums and stuff i might not participate in the forums all that much but i do read them and i do see what's going on i just i i spend so much time on my computer i can't always bring myself to to sit and write more stuff <laughs> but um you know i see it all and it's just amazing the friendships not even our direct friendships but friendships that people have made through the website that have found each other people like nikki and mara and melissa and stephanie and you know Hugh and and Luciano and just all these people, like all these people that talk to us every single day. We have these relationships with them, and it all started from this, and it all started from creating a safe place and building a safe place for people to come and fanboy and girl out about their favorite stuff. Mm. And we have maintained that security and have maintained, you know, we've kept that house clean. And it's and it's been a really, really positive, you know, island or bastion within the comic books community that can often be a very dark and ugly place. And so far, this is not an invitation for people to get weird, <laughs> but, you know, we've managed to keep it together and keep a very positive community. And I, whenever I'm kind of feeling down and out about things, I try to remember that. And remember, you know, why we're doing this and who we're doing this for and stuff like that. And it's just, it's so much bigger than we are. And it's only getting bigger every day and every week. And to see more and more people, I mean, we've got like hundreds of people by the droves following us on Twitter these past couple of months. I don't know what Stephanie's doing Mm -hmm. to reach out to people, (laughs) but it's amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's amazing doing all the stuff that she does and our contributors for writing their reviews. And we've got news coming in. I am finding news in the morning on our own website that I didn't see somewhere else. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Um, So yeah, I mean, like I said, I was going to say it at the end, I'll just say it now. I'm thankful for everybody that contributes, whether you're a fan, you're a writer or you're a listener or whatever. Uh, Just keep doing what you're doing and just keep getting the word out because you know, we're, we're a growing community of positive people that like, the positive aspect of comics and it's only going to get better yeah one of my favorite things about the forums actually i was trying to find a way to tweet this but it was just too long um is that uh i i read just like you were saying like i i go on and i have like the app on my phone and it always shows me what the new things are Mm -hmm. on the forum so i just go and i read them and one of my favorite things about the group of people who comment on our on our on our forums is that someone will say something and then someone will disagree with them. And then it's like, it turns into like an apology battle yes. like to them to try to make sure that they know that they're not being a dick and they're, they're just trying to get their opinions out. Yeah. So I was like, no, it's okay. I understand it. Like, and some people think, oh, they're apologizing for no reason. But an apology given when one's not needed is always better than apology not given when one is needed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the fact that they want, it just shows that they want to have a, you know, a mature, mm-hmm. reasonable dialogue with each other. And that's fantastic. Like that is that's one of my favorite things about reading the forums is that people disagree, but when they but they always do it in a respectful way and and understand that tone isn't isn't a thing on the internet. So you have to make it overly known, like what what you're trying to say. It's so hard sometimes. It absolutely, is so hard. And I love I love that they they go out of their way to do it. I I love that that they follow they follow. Look, we've had to moderate probably two comments like in the history of the forums, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, they, they follow it on their own accord. 
Yeah. You know, it's not, we're not constantly writing them messages telling them to get their shit together or something. You know, they all their own accord because they want to grow what we have, and that's fantastic. Yeah. It's not even that it's internally police, someone calls out someone's bad yeah. behavior. There's no bad behavior. Yeah. Before it even gets there, it's moderated. Yeah. At the keyboard. Yeah. And that's spectacular. Absolutely. When you see what. Yes. Uh, what, Other what things. Passes that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Discussion elsewhere. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joey, what are you thankful for? I just wanted to build off the, the comments before about uh, gender representation and say that I, I'm grateful for an increased commitment to, to um, representation of people of color in comics yeah. and, in, and in the media Absolutely. as well. I'm, I'm half Chinese. I'm biracial. Um, so I'm grateful for characters like Agent May and Agent Sky on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Say what you want about the show. But oh, you awesome. know, yeah. when, when people saw Chloe Bennett as Sky, they were like, oh, just another white girl. I'm looking at her. I'm like, she's biracial. She's me. I don't see that ever. <laughs> you know. Um, so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for you know, um, Ming-Na Wen doing Tai Chi on a Marvel TV show and it not being a gag or a gimmick and being like, that's what my grandma does, you know? So, like, <laughs> so there's, and, and obviously, you know, uh, mighty Avengers and, and the Chadwick Boseman announcement and, 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 and all the announcements coming out of DC too, um, with, with the films and, and, and that commitment to, to representation, obviously Kamala Khan as well, the character, um, the, the increased number of, of people of color in, in these books and in, and in this, in this, um, in this industry, I think is, is so important. Now, if we can get better representation on the creator side, that'd be great too. But at least we're, we're that is also part of the conversation. And in addition to all of the gender conversation that's happening, the, the racial conversations happening as well. And, and I know particularly from, from someone like me, um, but everyone, obviously that perspective, that's just as important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Bob, what do you got for us? Oh, I'm going to go personal. I okay. hope you don't mind. Bob, I, uh, I, 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 yeah, I figured it was, was going to happen. It was going to come eventually. <laughs> Uh, and it's something off of what Steve said. I'm I come at this as not the person who does this sort of stuff. When Bobby started Fanboy Remix, I didn't even know what a podcast was particularly <laughs> or how this all worked. And we had fun with that, and that was all great. And came over here to discovering this community of people who sprung up around what we were doing. Like it was the four of us talking to each other. Yeah, for the most part, and that positive energy flowed outwards into people of like minds who wanted to participate in something similar that they weren't finding somewhere else. And so to our community, our listeners, readers, the amazing contributors we've added over, over the last year, our forum friends, our internet friends who become real life friends yep. in a lot of cases where who knew such a thing was possible. I'm the anti-internet guy. <laughs> and yet there's a way to bring that into the real world. I have people sending me money in my PayPal account because I got robbed mm-hmm. that people were, were buying me controllers and trying mm-hmm. to rebuy my games for me. Well, they don't know me. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah. I'm sorry, Bob. Go yeah, ahead. it's okay. Uh, because it's all part of it. It's how the, we, we, we're getting gifts from people because we speak to them mm-hmm. in, yeah. in a way that, oh, we're the big brother they didn't have we're the friends who didn't sit with them at lunch but now we're here we're, this is yeah. our lunch table and we bring everybody to, to the cool table <laughs> and, <gonna> yeah <laughs> and for me personally we're going to get to that and i'm going to try not to cry as i say all that yeah i'm i've lived more of my life than i'm going to 
and that there's this sort of third act is really special to me. And I want to thank my colleagues, most particularly Steve and Bobby here, Stephanie, who is absent and Joey and Mar who said, and Rob who said in so many times early for us and, and Hugh who was here and Sarah and all the people that come around us. I don't know that I'd still be around if it wasn't for you people saying this kind of stuff and, and doing what we do here. So thank you to everybody. We got you, Bob. Yeah, there you go. Always. It's really more our pleasure than yours, Bob. I just like, yeah. oh, I want you to know that, uh, like 100%. <laughs> oh, <thank you>. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're the ones who are lucky, not you. <laughs> I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed. Mm-hmm. How are we going to follow up that? I was going to talk Bob about Bob always the, a son of a bitch. <laughs> always going to fucking top us. I was going to be like, oh, I'm glad they're turning the Batman line around. That was my next one, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck, I can't talk about Batman. Oh, it's great. Batgirl, you know, she's yeah. got a cool cape now. Yeah. <laughs> Love those Doc, Doc Martens, Martens, man. Yeah, exactly. Go for it. I love Go those for Doc it. Martens. I can um, not walk out of here and have my tears freeze on yeah, the no, outside um, porch. To, to, bring things, to bring things back a little bit, yeah, I Gotham Academy, Batgirl, Arkham Manor, uh, we got Gotham at Midnight. Gotham by Midnight. Gotham today. by Midnight is hey, today. Even the new Catwoman. Yeah, yeah. and and Catwoman's turning mm-hmm. around. Like, you know, if we can just get, I, I haven't been reading it. You know what? You know what? I'm not even going to say no, it. Say it. I it's been, positive. No, no, it's thankful. I, I want, I want my Batwoman back. I, I really. You're not gonna, we're not J.H. Williams or Greg Rucka. You're not going to get that Batwoman back. Uh, it's not going to happen. I know. But I am. That said, I am so glad that not only are we kind of changing the the direction and the face of of the the Batverse right now. Um, even the, I mean, it's always been interesting, but even the Batman and Robin stuff is is starting to get like really exciting again mm. and really and really weird. And you know, someone you know stuff's about to come back and it's going to be different. And it's going to be odd and you know dealing with all of that stuff. But um. I like I've been kind of pushing myself to read other books because I've been reading the Gotham Central stuff and I've been reading like through the looking glass Batman. I've been in like a real Batman mode with with this Gotham Academy. I wasn't in that mode for a while, you know, and now that Joker's back in Scott Snyder's stuff, Arkham Manor had a really cool angle to it. Gotham by Midnight looks like it might be fun. I'm just I'm really glad to be buying like multiple books within the the bat first once yeah. again because it was only da- it was down to like two books and i was getting wow. like six or seven and now it's getting it's getting back up there and for them to not be all within that like entrenched in shadow gotham and everything's bleak and gotham is failing and it's just it's always gonna be gotham that we actually have a corner of it that the sun is out mm-hmm. you know or there's like a Hardy Boys style mystery in some strange school happening on this other side. And, you know, you said Supergirl is, is you know, mm. not that she's in the bad first, but just that these books are, are getting turned around that DC is like, I can no longer be like, you know, for the longest time I was like, oh, it's so dark and it's so depressing and it, everything looks the same. I can't say that anymore. Mm. Yeah. So I'm really, really thankful that they're kind of, not even that they were listening, but just that they too decided, you know, hey, we need to kind of mix things up a little bit, take a couple of risks and throw some stuff out there and see what sticks. And by doing so, you know, created this new fandom in Gotham Academy and Batgirl specifically. You know, there are people that don't like Batgirl, but there are a lot of people that love the shit out of it. 
And I just, I didn't read it when all you guys read it. I read it this past week and it was fantastic. Mm. It's fantastic. I love it. So to have that book be back, I love Gail Simone's run as well. But like I said, I was, I was okay with a change. And the fact that the change was so drastic really, really excites me. And, and I, I can't wait for the third issue of their run to, to come out. So yeah, I, I'm really, whatever they, was the, the guy that changed? Uh, Mark Doyle. Mark Doyle. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, change the direction a little bit mix things up uh it worked out very well so far for that yeah i mean i'm right there with you. that was one of mine as well um i you know if you look at the the books i talked about today um every single one of them was published by dc yeah in in some way or the and another um you know we and we only talked negatively about one for the entire that we talked about um yeah i think that like you, Supergirl being seemingly going to be good again, um, or more my taste again. I don't. Know, I wasn't reading it, so I can't say it wasn't good when they're doing the Red Lantern. Stuff, right, right. I wasn't a, reading it. Definitely more fair way. Yeah. Um, you know the the new the new Batman books obviously popping up. The the Jeff John Superman stuff has been fantastic. I got to read that. Um, it, the I feel like there's more diversity in the line. I feel like there there's more surprise in the line, and I'm excited for that fact that that we're getting. You know, the dark stuff's still there. There's crazy light stuff. There's stuff in the middle. There's crazy ass stuff like the multiversity stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all over the map, and that's where I feel like you need to be. I feel like you can't look. I, I understand why they did in the first place. You're relaunching an entire universe. It's they want it to look the same. You know, they want it to be able to say like this is what it is. Now we're a couple of years out. Now we can start doing it. I'm thankful that that thing happened in the first place because they got me into reading comics, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful yeah. that they are going to involve evolve their approach to it. Um, you know, they don't want their line to stagnate any more than anyone else does. So they're going big props to Mark Doyle, big props to Dan Didio, big props to Jim Lee, big props to Jeff Johns, mm-hmm. everyone there for taking the risk and doing what they need to do to make the line more interesting. And I think that's exactly what they've done. Yeah. Um, I don't want to detective is really good too. Uh, yeah. I, we don't really talk about it, but I, it's the Bucciolato. Yeah. The Bucciolato. Uh, yeah, yeah. Really good. Beautiful book. Really cool story. So good, good, good stuff. Joey, we got you know, another thing you're thankful for. A last thing you're thankful for. I think I got one more. Okay. Um, I'm thankful for the opportunity that you guys have given me over the last two and a half years to write for you guys. Um, two and a half years ago, I was you know graduating from my teacher's program. I was going to you know start teaching the next fall. I had the job lined up and everything, and you know things were moving on in my life. So I was like, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to stop pulling comics. Maybe it's time for me to stop. Maybe just switch over to trades and maybe digital's a thing now. So maybe I'll do that. Uh, and I was really thinking about that, thinking about stopping reading week to week. And um, then I saw on Twitter randomly some creator, I don't know who it was, you know, tweeted out the link to the write for us that you guys had up early on, like July 2012 or whatever it was. And uh, I was like, ah, why not? So I applied, sent you guys my stuff, and and uh, you gave me the opportunity, and that kept me pulling. That kept me reading, um, and I've been, I've, I'm still reading. I'm still pulling every week. So like without that opportunity that you guys gave me, I probably would not be as in, in, ingrained and engrossed as I am now, which would have sucked given, <laughs> given what's happened over the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. You know, all the change that's happened over the last two and a half years, whether you want to look in, in terms of how the movies have blown up or, or what's been happening in, in the in the print and, and, and the actual, you know, comic books themselves, I wouldn't have 
been there for that if if i didn't have the opportunity um to to write for you guys so i'm so incredibly grateful uh to to talking comics for that well we're very lucky to have you join you're seriously (laughs) uh you are just as much a part of the the core of this thing now as any of us sitting here are you know it's it's been great to have you and your writing has been i mean honestly dude i think you're the best writer on the site so i it's it's amazing to have you thank you yeah. yeah, I need someone else to defend X Factor. Oh, X Factor! <laughs> oh, sore, sore, my heart. Yeah. Buck, Winter Soldier. Oh. <laughs> uh, Joey, fighting the good fight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Bobby, one more for us. No, I'm done. You're done. You, that oh, was your done. last. That was that your was my last big yeah. emotional one. Steve, you got any more for us? I do, but I, I'll save them for next year. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's what we're thankful for in comics. I mean, I we said it early, and I'm gonna echo it again. Again, guys, thing we're all most thankful for when it comes to comics is is everyone out there listening and yeah. reading. I mean, w- we wouldn't be still doing this if nobody was listening. So <laughs> we'd be doing it, but we just doing it without mics. So, yeah. <laughs> and th- and that that means a lot of things. It doesn't mean just mean you know, you know, I get to meet creators and talk to creators and and hang out with cool people. It also means like I wouldn't have gotten to know the people that I, we know now, you know, yeah. I wouldn't know Joey or Mara or Melissa or Hugh or a, a, any yeah. of the people or, or Stephanie or any of the people, you know, that, that came along because of this thing. Um, and that's, that's pretty amazing, amazing people, you know? Um, and we're thankful for the friendships and all the stuff that, that ha- has come from it. And hopefully you guys will keep listening because we'll, we'll keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. As long as we have a place to do it and, any money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think it was funny. One of the one, somebody tweeted like, "Oh, when, before, when, I, when I head to the shop in the morning, my pull list is fifteen dollars. After listening to Talking Comics, it's sixty-five dollars." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this week's not so bad, though. No. We'll see. This we'll week's not see. so bad. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Last week, oh my god! Last week was a big week. Last yeah. week was killer. I didn't even get through everything because it was so much. It was a uh, oh god, what was it? It was a sixty-dollar week for me last week. Oof. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And it was all stuff that I legitimately read. Like, none of yeah, this... Yeah, this is like, your cut-down list. I did. Dude, yeah. I, I have cut down so much this year, it's insane. The fact that it's still as large as it is is disgusting. <laughs> I need help. It's a I've, tribute to the things getting better. Yes. Yeah. I've been so busy that, like, it's been weeks. Like, it's been three weeks together, and that check yeah. is, is intense. Yeah. Ooh. Some of the, <laughs> some know? stuff, though, yeah. is better better to, to wait for a little while. Like, I've got three issues of Deadly Class lined up. You know, like I can't wait to get back into that. Mm. By the time I actually sit down, I'll probably have the whole arc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing that with Empire of the Dead, the second arc of it. It cool. says, you know, the first Romero. one read so much better together. It's, mm. yeah, let me read this in the same way. But they're sitting there, they're calling me. They want to be read. <laughs> mm. I feel bad for the poor little darlings. <laughs> All right. Oh, Bob, do you have any movie, tradition, movie traditions on Thanksgiving? I know you have movie traditions for everything. Yes. Well, because here in New York, Channel 9 on Thanksgiving. Actually, Channel 11 showed the high school football game between New Rochelle and somebody else every, every morning. But Channel 9, which was an RKO station when I was a kid, showed King Kong, Son of Kong, and Mighty Joe Young as a triple feature okay. since they owned RKO movies. Nice. So before I head out to Waiting River, I will do that. But this year, on Friday, uh, my friend Ed and Dawn, they were in, our, mm-hmm. in your movie as, as zombies and their, their little daughter who, was, our a, movie, who was a zombie. <laughs> We're going to dinner, which we do sort of for Christmas. We're doing it early because the Smithtown Performing Arts Center is showing King Kong on a big screen. Oh, wow. Oh, awesome. that's awesome. That's, that's so cool. 
Yeah. It's like, okay, I don't know which version they're showing, the edited or the non. Is it a print or is it a DVD? I don't even care. It's not the Charles Grodin version, is it? <laughs> no, it's it's the Willis O'Brien <laughs> okay. showed Zach Cooper from 33. And I, I, I've already promised them I won't sit there and recite all the dialogue <laughs> from every scene as we go. I'm going to shut up and eat my popcorn and nice. just, just uh, bathe in the glow of it. It's the moment Jack Black. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a planes, trains, and automobiles man. Awesome. Yep. Oh, I sh- I, yeah, you know, I, I should watch that tonight. Every year, every year, yeah. Thanksgiving and Christmas, both. Wow, that's my movie. So this is going to sound weird. I'm not going to do it on Thanksgiving, I don't think. But it's not a tradition. But Brian on Talking Movies has been doing a David Lynch thing. Yeah. Oh my god. And I've never seen Blue Velvet. Oh, oh my god. Ooh. Oh god. For Thanksgiving. Really? <laughs> that weekend. I don't know if I'm going to do it on okay. Thanksgiving. I'm saying, but. I've never seen Blue Velvet, and they talked about it, and it sounds very it's interesting. A great film. And they also did Mulholland Drive, which mm-hmm. was a film oh that when God. I saw it in 2001, I hated it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but hearing them talk about it makes me want to watch it again. So I think at some point this weekend, because Karen also loves David Lynch, so I think mm-hmm. we'll do like mm-hmm. a, a, a double feature or something of those two. Movies. Lost so, Highway. I, can't, I, don't, I don't know if I can, I'm ready for Lost Highway. No. See, you, I would say the movie to watch for Thanksgiving of, on Lynch is, is Eraserhead because of the whole chicken scene. <laughs> <laughs> have you played the game uh, for the 360 called Deadly Premonition? I have not played Deadly Premonition, no. I Do me a favor, if you can, remind me. I'll let you borrow it. Okay. You can hold on to it for however long right. you like. It is Twin Peaks. That's what I hear, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I'll let you borrow it. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so bad, it's good. Wow. No, I love it. There is a movie everyone should watch, but no one can find. Uh, something weird video put it out. It's from the 70s. It's called Blood Freak. Okay. Which is about a guy who looks kind of like a chubby Elvis. Okay. But, and and it's, it's a drug, it's an anti-drug biker pro-Jesus turkey monster movie. All right. <laughs> He gets, this guy goes to work for some scientist fella cleaning his pool or whatever, and they start feeding him a dosed turkey. And he, it eventually, um, spoiler, is a, it's a dream sequence, but eventually he grows a giant turkey head. Oh my God. Wow. And, and runs around gobbling at people and killing them, including putting one guy through a bandsaw. What? Which is pretty nasty. <laughs> and so the, the, it was, one of the, it was one of the posters. The video box is this giant turkey head guy looming. <laughs> gobble, gobble, gore. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Blood freak. Um, I, I do always watch like three times the, tr- the fake trailer from Grindhouse, the Thanksgiving oh, yeah, trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eli Roth one. It's amazing. Wow, this blood freak thing looks pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have it on videotape. It's probably the right way to watch it. Yeah, definitely. Grainy videotape. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Oh, God. Um, all right, so let's talk about what's coming out uh, this week. Uh, from Avatar Press, we've got Crossed Plus 100, number one. Um, let's see what else we got here. From Boom Studios, we've got Adventure Time, Banana Guard Academy, number five. Amazing World of Gumball, number five. Bee and Puppy yeah. Cat, number six. Butterfly, number three of four. Ooh. Butterflies. <laughs> come, come, my lady. Capture, <laughs> oh, capture, my God. <laughs> capture Creatures, number one. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, Clive Barker's Nightbreed, number seven. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, number one. Dead Letters, number six. Mimetic, number two. Oh, crazy. And Steven Universe, number four. You're going to review Mimetic, right, Joey? Uh, I read it like an hour or a couple hours ago. It's, obs- okay. it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I loved the first issue. 
It, it gets crazier. No, not awesome. I had my chance to buy it. I passed it up, but I regret it. <laughs> it's really good. I'm sure it is. It's crazy. It's um, only three issues, so just wait till it's done. Do we have that in the Dropbox? It's on the Boom. Yeah, the Boom press site. So there yes. you go. Uh, Dark Horse Comics. We've got uh, Aliens, Fire and Stone, number three of four. Um, we've got Baltimore, The Wolf and the Apostle, number two. Um, Captain Midnight, number 17. Colder, The Bad Seed, number two, which I'm excited about. Conan, The Avenger, number eight. ElfQuest, The Final Quest, number six. <laughs> Father's Day, number two. Um, let's see. Halo Escalation, number 12. Massive, number 29. Mind Management, number 28. Yeah. Pop, number 404. Yes. Uh, we've got Sundowners, number four. Uh, Tomb Raider number ten, Usagi Yojimbo, Senso number five, and uh, that is it from Image from DC Comics. Not from Image, Dark, Dark from... Horse. <laughs> Boof. It's all right. Yeah. It's a long podcast. Image comes before DC apparently. Um, in alphabetical order. Uh, <laughs> from Dark Horse. From DC Comics, we've got um, Aquaman number thirty-six, Arkham Manor number two, Batman sixty-six number seventeen. Batman Beyond Universe, number 16. Batman Eternal, number 34, as well as Batman Eternal, volume 1, trade paperback. Sick. Which Pick it up. collects the first 20, I believe. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's um, it's $40, but it's 20 issues of a comic book. So Seriously that's recommend that. That I know it's been tough to pick it up week to week, but I've been reading it, and it's awesome. If they're going to do it like If they're going to do, like, trades of 20, like, every, like, I guess, what, what has it been? now it's 35 35 so that's 35 yeah. weeks that's so like a little more than half a year yeah. i guess it's not bad you know mm-hmm. it means you'd probably be a little bit behind when it well was they're over. taking they're taking a break oh are they while. yeah they're not it's not going to be one straight thing all the way through oh, they're wow. taking a break like relatively soon oh i didn't know that yeah um let's see your body is number five of eight catwoman number 36 yeah, yeah. um let's see dead boy detectives number 11 deathstroke number two Earth Two Worlds End number eight, Flash number thirty six, Gotham by Midnight number one, He Man and the Masters of the Universe number nineteen, <laughs> um, Infinity Man and the Forever People number five, Justice League Dark number thirty six. Um, we've got Red Lanterns number thirty six, Secret Origins number seven, um, Star Spangled War Stories featuring GI Zombie Sweet. number four, <laughs> Superman number thirty six. And unwritten volume two, Apocalypse number eleven, from Dynamite Entertainment. We've got um, Bionic Woman season four, number three. We've got um, Dawn Vampirella number two. We've got Django Zorro number one. <laughs> nice, yes. Um, Doctor Spectre, Master of the Occult number four. Um, Flash Gordon Annual two thousand fourteen. We've got Justice Inc number four. Uh, Purgatory. Purgatory, number <laughs> three. Um, Red Sonia, The Black Tower, number three. Um, we've got Steampunk, Battlestar Galactica, 1880, number four. <laughs> Turok, Dinosaur Hunter, number 10. And Vampirella, Fury Tales, number two. Um, I'm sorry, wait. That's that, the Nancy Collins one? That is a variant cover. That, that already came out, oh, I believe. Okay. So. Uh, from IDW Publishing, Angry Birds Transformers, number one. <laughs> nice. Um, words that make money. We'll just put them together yeah. into a title. Uh, Edward Scissorhands, number two. G.I. Joe, number three. Godzilla, Rulers of the Earth, number 18. Judge Dredd, number 25. Um, Samurai Jack, number 14. Shadow Show, number one. Skylanders, number two. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 40. 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> Ghostbusters, number two. <laughs> Transformers Drift Empire of Stone, number one. They added to that. Wasn't it just Drift Empire before? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What happened there? Transformers. What? I get a chance? Mm-hmm. Wow. It's been a while. Wow. 50-50, right? Mm-hmm. More than meets the eye. That is correct. Number what? What? <laughs> Transformers G.I. Joe versus G.I. Joe, number four. And X-Files Year Zero, number five. The Judge Dredd thing made me think of one of my one of the moments I really liked in... Um, Multiversity that we didn't talk about. It's when they're trying to figure out the name of the team, and they're going through oh, yeah. like all like the, and the one guy goes, "I am the law." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love that. Um, Image Comics, American Legends number five of five, four of five, and five of five. Uh, Cal number six, Dark Engine number four, Lazarus number thirteen, Madman in Your Face three D special, which is a new Madman story written and drawn by Mike Allred in three D. That's and awesome. Art by. Like- 27 other people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's added to the list. Uh, Manhattan Projects, number 25. Oddly Normal, number three. <laughs> Odyssey, number one, the Matt Fraction yeah. book. Nice. Yeah. Um, Prophet Strike File, number two. Rasputin, number two. Nice. Roche Limit, number three. Sex, number 18. Sheltered, number 13. Yeah. Sidekick, number nine. Trees, number seven. Umbral, number 11. Wayward, number four. All right, I take it all back. Yeah. I have 13 books so far. Um, from Marvel, all new Ghost Rider, number nine. Here we go. Uh, all new Invaders, number twelve. We've got Amazing X Men, number thirteen. Um, we've got Captain America and the Mighty Avengers, uh, number two. Oh. Um, we've got let's see here, Deadpool. Nope, that's a reprint. Um, we've got lots, lots of reprints of Death of Wolverine. Uh, Death of Wolverine, The Logan Legacy, number five. Deathlock, number two. Edge of Spider-Verse, number two. Um, we've got New that, Avengers, number 27. What? Is that a reprint as well? Which one? First, Edge of Spider-Verse, number two. That was the Gwen. Uh, oh, it is. One. You're right. Absolutely right. You're okay. absolutely right. Buy yes. it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Buy it again. Um, New Avengers, number 27. New Warriors, number 12. Nova, number 24. Um, let's see. We've got Scarlet New Warriors Sp- is last issue. Oh, really? Yeah. Aww. Um, Scarlet Spiders number one. Secret Avengers number ten. Spider-Man twenty ninety nine number six. Superior Foes of Spider-Man number seventeen. Last Sup- issue. Last oh. issue. Yeah. Superior <laughs> Iron Man number two. Wolverine and the X Men number twelve. Last issue. <sighs> oh yeah. <sighs> <laughs> From Oni Press, Letter 44, number 12. Uh, Sump Town, Volume 3, number 3. Uh, let's see. From Titan Comics, Evil Within, number 3. Penguins of Madagascar, number 1. And Sally of the Wasteland, number 5 of 5. From Valiant Entertainment, Archer and Armstrong, the 1%, number 1. Delinquents, number 4. And that is what's on the shelves. Not bad. Right wow. Now. Not bad. How many did you end up with, Steve? I lost count around fifteen. <laughs> I, I, there are a couple of titles though that are, are questionable. I haven't read, unfortunately, have not read Letter Forty Four in probably forty four like, years, like five <laughs> or six issues, and I'm missing one of them, like right smack in the middle. That's what's keeping me from reading uh, Aleshkot Zero. I'm missing issue number seven oh, for whatever God given reason. And I have every other one from one through twelve, but I, for some reason, I'm missing number seven, so I can't read it. I'm like that. 
It's a shame. You're the way that you're looking at me. No, I wasn't. I wasn't looking at you like that. I, I I was like doing like business for the show, and so I was trying to pay attention to what you're saying and do business for the show at the same time. Your so fur- my my eyes were like going in multiple directions. Your furrowed brow said, "Please, please, dude." <laughs> it was not. I, I, I'm 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 crying for you. Here's your opportunity to get something digitally to fill the gap, just so you can read it. <laughs> that is that is true. So, <laughs> you know, you, you know the wrestler CM Punk. Yes, he's writing a the Thor annual. I what heard, I heard about that. Yes, um, he's gonna be like he wants to be like a full time comic book writer. He quit the, the WWE for mm-hmm. like reels, but he there's a letter in the back of the last issue of Superior Foes of Spider Man from him. It's hilarious. Like saying goodbye to the show. Oh wow, goodbye, goodbye <laughs> to the comic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I uh, oh I finally got to read uh, Thor number two. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, amazing. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. right? That was one of the things I was gonna be thankful for was yeah. Jason Aaron's Thor. It's pretty great. That whole that whole run from from the start till yeah. now has just been phenomenal. Yeah, Jason Aaron's beard. <laughs> <laughs> By Jason Aaron's beard. Um, all right, so that's gonna do it for the Talking Comics podcast. If you guys want in touch with us for the site podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com, facebook.com slash talkingcomics, and at talkingcomics on Twitter. Um, Make sure you go to talkingcomicbooks.com and read the reviews by all our great contributors, articles, columns. Check out our our bevy of podcasts. The Talking Comics podcast. uh, The Mitzvahs, which just did their Wonder Woman Spectacular. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Bob Ryer uh, Mm -hmm. was on, so make sure you guys check that out. Um, We've got Talking Movies with Brian Barbarossa, which I already talked about. They just did David Lynch. Um, They did... Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire were the wow. three that they did. Um, we have Talking Valiant uh, with Adam Shaw and Talking Games yeah. with our very own Steve Say. What's your topic this week, Steve? Uh, I'm hosting the show this week, and uh, we have a couple things going on. We're talking about all the new games that came out in the past two weeks. Uh, we'll be announcing the categories for our uh, end of the year award, so you guys can start thinking about those, have them in the back of your mind. And we're going to be uh, giving the Nintendo Wii and Wii U some love by sharing some of our uh, fondest memories with either system. All right, cool. Aww. Awesome. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with us personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve? Uh, on Twitter, mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Joey? At Joey Bracino, B-R-A-C-C-I-N-O. And Bob, your email address. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Bob, do you have one more thing this week? No. No, you don't? No. I'm, add to the list of things I'm thankful for. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, not having a one more thing this week. No. <laughs> so that's going to do it uh, for the Talking Comics podcast uh, for this week. For Steve. Thank you and stay safe. Bob. Happy Thanksgiving. And Joey. Enjoy your weekend. Have a great Thanksgiving. And until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>